boom, boom, boom. What's happening, brother? How, How are you doing, man? What's cracking? It's good to be back. Good to be back. Good this to place see is you. always amazing. It's like it's a, it's like a little. It's a it's a bit of an amusement park almost now. Yeah. With, with stuff to see and the and the gym equipment and everything. I keep thinking I should just bring my gear over and work out before yeah. the show or after the show. But get loose. I don't want to embarrass myself. So you wouldn't embarrass yourself. Yeah. I don't, I'm not going to watch. I'm going to watch you work out. <laughs> he would. He would. Like, Jamie's would, that kind yeah. of guy. Yeah, I've seen him give me side eye. He would give you, you know, side so. eye. <laughs> Uh, but no, thank you. It's all, yeah, it's all good. Everything's everything's good. I've been traveling a lot. Haven't uh, we just talked before we started about Idaho? Haven't had a chance to get back there. But uh, yeah, all good, all good. So you're around for a television show? Is that what you're doing? Um, yeah, this is this is uh, there's, a, there's several meetings going on here. But we just finished uh, uh, filming uh, a show, a reality show um, for. Uh, can I say the network? I, we're, they're they're kind of hinky on until we get closer to the air date, which is October. Uh, but it's for the Discovery Network, and it's gonna be it's gonna be a great show that, that I'm hosting. Why do they not want yeah. you to say the name? Well, you know what? That's what I always said. I always thought free publicity is a good thing, um, but they're very tight on the marketing uh, protocols, and so mm. they want to make sure they've got it all buttoned up. And I get that, right? They spend you know a lot of money on these things, and fucking so, control freaks. Yeah, and so anyway, it's but it's gonna be a great uh, a great show. We spent the past three or four months. Um, uh, filming it around the country, a uh, really good production team, and uh, the stories are fantastic. It's basically looking at, I guess I'm talking about it, no, I'm not supposed to, but we're looking at um, uh, military government organizations that are typically in the shadows, right? We're not releasing any sources and methods, we're not disclosing any classified secrets, but we're talking about elements and units, operational activity, um, events that uh, before now have pretty much been in the shadows and some incredible people. That's one of the best parts about this thing. It's been going out there and meeting some of these guys that are doing some of this high-speed shit, and it's it's pretty amazing. And when when they do release things like long, long after, like I was reading something, uh, I forget what the case was about, but it was something about how the the files won't be released under the Freedom of Information Act until 2080. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you? Yeah, I know. What are they, how do they make that distinct? Like, that was yeah. a thing with the Kennedy assassination, right? And sometimes they roll it over and it's not even then, right? So sometimes they extend mm. that. Um, other times they don't. And, and so some information comes to light periodically. Um, and so this does look at the, this, this show will be looking at some historic, but a lot of current things that are going on and, and where the money goes, right? What are we spending our money on when it comes to this high speed operations that the special forces and others are, are involved in? Um, so it'll be it'll be very good. I was I was lucky to be able to work with again, you know, some really great people on the production side, but just also going out there and meeting some of these cats. They're just the 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 shit that they do is is it's even after being around a while as I have um it just amazes me. Well, you know? it's got to be constantly accelerating too, right? There's they're constantly coming up with new and spectacular things that nobody knows about yeah, until yeah. they employ them. Right, exactly. And sometimes that the, the shit stays on the shelf, right? You know, you, the, it was like the, the running joke at the agency at the, at the CIA was, you know, they, we have a fantastic S&T group, a science and technology group, and they're the ones responsible, like Q uh, from, from Bond, right? Mm-hmm. They're the ones responsible for developing all the gear, uh, responding to specific operational requirements. How are we going to do this particular thing? Well, let's develop a piece of kit that's going to allow us to do it. Uh, but the running joke is always that, 
you know, they'll develop it and they'll show it to you before an operation, but then they'll put it back on the shelf because they don't want that shit getting out there, right? And people finding out that they've got it. So they'll give you like a 20-year-old a, a piece of kit to use instead. And you'll be walking around with like a phone the size of a brick, um, knowing that they've got something high speed on the shelf. Well, that's what everybody always thinks. Like when you talk to the average Joe on the street about technology and the government, they're always like, dude, the stuff they have that they probably don't tell us about. How much of that is real? Yeah, um, it's... It's pretty real. Have you seen right. some stuff that made you go, holy shit, yes. they can do that? Yes. Really? Yeah. And How much can you tell us? Um, well, you know what? One thing that they're doing, and, and this, this is actually something I wanted to talk about uh, today uh, because it's going to affect everybody. It's not just something that, that is going to affect people in the military or else in the intelligence community. Uh, but one of the things that they've been working on is imagine you've got a, you've got a rock up on a, on a target. And you're, but you're, before you do that, before you, you get the customers on site and you're going to, you know, hopefully obtain some high-value uh, targets there at that location, before you do that, you've got to – You're talking gotta, like euphemisms. Oh, I'm sorry. Before so, you're going to nuke okay. people. Yeah, yeah, before, yeah, before you're going <laughs> to go in there. blow terrorists yeah. into another dimension. <laughs> well, sometimes, you know, you well, – okay, actually, I was going to say sometimes you want to actually capture them and get their intelligence. We've gone past that, right, because the years where we were getting our ass kicked for holding on to people in, in detention facilities, um, you know what that did? That that pretty much convinced everybody uh, that was involved in this to just, just whack them, right, because then you don't have to deal with the aftermath. You don't have to worry about are you going to get in trouble for interrogating Right, exactly. Or, so, yeah. so that actually increased the lethality of operations. You started painting targets and just blowing the shit out of there rather than trying to grab the target and get their intel. That's right. a problem because then the pipeline dries up for the intel. But uh, anyway, so imagine you got this. You got this site. The first thing you got to do is determine if your target's there, right? And it's not like that. You know, the Tom Clancy movies where you know you're looking through walls and all this shit. It's it, you know that that technology, night vision devices, and 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 that ability in low light conditions to uh, to monitor and to identify specific uh, individuals um, has always been a problem. They've made great strides on it to the point now where in no light conditions. Right? With, the, with the right stack database, with the right information, and that database meaning the right uh, amount of, of information about individuals, right? You're, just, you're co constantly populating this database with new faces or with new photographs of individuals that you're going after. Um, with enough of that to sift through, they're getting to the point now with no light conditions that they can uh, identify uh, positively the targets in that room or the targets in that facility or in that building, whatever it might be. And I that's pretty that can, incredible. I rather they can identify people by their heart rate. Mm -hmm. with, with, well, not just their heart rate, but I mean other, other bio data, right? I mean right, other but, other... but they can literally, with video somehow or another, they can zoom in on you with some scanner and recognize that this is a particular individual because of their heart rate. Yeah. This is, there was an article that was written about it, and I know that... There's a company. Do you know what Hex is? H e c s. It's um. Uh, it's a company no. that's been used uh, pretty extensively by the uh, scuba diving community, um, and now uh, by the hunting community as well, because it blocks the electrical signal. H e c s. It blocks the electrical signal that your body gives off. Okay. Yeah, that and, makes sense. And I think they're doing work with the military as well to develop suits that will somehow or another stop someone from being able to recognize your particular heart rate. Right. And there's a lot of work on, on what they call the sort of the universal yeah, soldier. Pentagon yeah. has a laser that I can identify people from a distance by their, by their heartbeat. heartbeat. Yeah. It helps, if, it helps if you have other uh, data points, right? If mm -hmm. you have, but 
Um, this is all part of, to some degree, what you know they refer to as the universal soldier, right? The 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 fighter of tomorrow. And Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, well, there you go. That That's right. Remember I mean, that? Yeah. I mean, who doesn't remember Jean? Although he's Dolph doing, Lundgren. He's, he's doing like chip commercials now. Is he? Um, sure. You haven't you seen him in like Doritos do. or whatever. Um, Dude, seventy. It is true. Do the splits. Yeah. Um, well, props. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know when that becomes useful though. Really, the splits. <laughs> I the splits. I mean, I, I've never actually, you know, felt that that was something I needed to accomplish in well, any given moment from an operational perspective. If you're doing karate movies where you have to do the splits, yeah, it's, it's true. Very important. Yeah, it's true. But so the, the Universal Soldier thing, where you 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 your um, you know, it's an exoskeleton, it's a soft suit, it's mm-hmm. all the data that you can acquire um, for that warfighter. Uh, how do you create the perfect environment on that individual as he's moving through an environment to, to you know, be a more efficient, effective, lethal uh, fighter? And, you know, things like that, identifying target, whether it's with a laser, uh, whether it's with low light or no light conditions where you can, as you're rocking up on the target, you can do that. All these things, you know, uh, the ability to uh, to carry more gear, right? Uh, hump it another extra, you know, ten kilometers, whatever it might be. Uh, it's it's pretty incredible what they're doing, and mm. it's it's a joint. It's not just the military. They're working with, uh, you know, companies like Hex, or they're working with the, with the commercial sector um, and academics too. But anyway, I don't know. I disappeared down a rabbit hole. Uh, the these like the the idea of like this universal soldier thing. Have you been paying attention to this Elon Musk uh, Neuralink thing that he's mm-hmm. coming out with, yep. where they're going to somehow or another insert fibers into your brain and then have a Bluetooth enabled device that you wear that's going to allow you to somehow or another interface with data at a much higher bandwidth. I, I don't know what the yeah. fuck any of those words mean. I just said, <laughs> but that was good though. That Thank was good. It sounded much. like it's you not, you understood it. That's my trick. <laughs> So I repeat words. Yeah, I you know there there comes a point. Um, if you're talking about, I mean, that's that's going into a different area. That's going into civilian applications and and. But, but I think you, the military application would be great for that too. If everyone could synchronize data, right. you could give them navigation in their head. Like if there's some sort of augmented reality where you could literally see the targets in front of you. Mm-hmm. Like they, if you had a map, say like the, the, if the Pentagon really does have this laser beam, they can identify specific individuals, mm-hmm. and you have a map of a building that's in your head, and they can identify the very location absolute perfect location of each individual person in that room Mm -hmm. and you could see that as you're running into this building you're seeing like a 3d grid in front of you and you know i mean you could shoot them right through a fucking wall right and there's but there's there there does become a problem then there becomes a problem of of information overload and Mm. um, when you get into that situation right everything starts to close down a little bit right and 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 so you've got to start pushing some of that away and 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 now what you end up doing is you get the off-site you know command center uh, relaying some of that information as needed. But that guy that's about to, to breach that door, you know, he doesn't want right. a lot of data points anymore. Now, having said that, knowing where, you know, knowing where the hostiles are on the other side of that door, that is key information. That's not rocket science. But so there, there, but there's a lot that's going on. There's also the ability to monitor health of the individual, you know, soldiers that are out there uh, through the, the, the gear that they would then be wearing. Um, it's, it's, an, it's an incredible uh, effort. That has been going on, and and so to answer your point, a long rambling answer. Uh, yeah, I've seen some things that are pretty amazing. You can't talk about though. No, no. Some of this, uh, some of this uh, shit actually, we'll we'll get into with the new show that's coming up sometime in fall. I don't have a release date, and again, I'm prescribed from talking about it, so I won't do that because so some of I them, pay attention. Some of the things that you saw, you'll be able to talk about. Yes. 
So how does the government do that? They just decide, well, listen, it's not a bad thing if you tell people about this. Like some, I think that's right. Yeah. I mean, well, I think there's, there's an element of some of it's not what you would refer to as classified. It's just not readily available public information. And it's not out there in the domain because people aren't aware of it or searching for it. Um, some of it does. I think you're right. Some of it is. Look, the military wants to say at, at times. Look, look what we're able to do. We're doing this, and, and oftentimes it's because it's in a sort of a uh, private-public uh, uh, cooperation. Right? And so mm-hmm. that encourages other uh, companies with innovative technologies to step forward and, and get involved in, in some of this. Um, and I guess that opens up all sorts of other – You know, some people are out there saying, well, they shouldn't be working with the military. Well, you know, fuck that. Well, that's a question that I had. That uh, This is, brings me to a point that I think is kind of important where people – always talk about the military budget and how mm-hmm. high the military budget is and you know we need to take some of that money and put it in other places and you know maybe some of that military money is not being used to the best for right. the, the best good of the human race or maybe maybe some of it but in order to be able to develop stuff that keeps people safer in order to d- develop all the stuff that you're talking about that could potentially save the lives of uh, soldiers and and even innocent civilians because you're going to be able to target the correct people like all this stuff seems pretty critical right right and it's also there's a, a you know there's an upside if you want to get you know moralistic about the whole thing to developing uh, advanced technologies you can be more surgical right the, yeah. a, a, the drone capability as an example gives you a, a much better understanding of your target you can avoid the collateral damage you know the deaths of civilians on site um, through the use of proper technology, and that creates that environment, and, and so it's a good thing. And, and again, I mean, look, you know, the CIA, they, their S and T group over the years, the shit that they've developed um, for operational purposes, that then made its way into the commercial sector and benefited like, people. Like what? Uh, battery technology. Anybody mm-hmm. walking around with a pacemaker or a defibrillator, you know, in part can thank the the agency because what were they doing? They were they were working. They continue to work on on battery technology, shrinking those batteries as a power source. What initially operational purposes, so you could uh, you know uh, put a, a transmitter out some site, you know, and and um, you know. So what are you doing? You're you know, eavesdropping on a on a hostile target or you know gathering intelligence. But then that that effort, all that work that was done, then that later on benefits um, the general public. Uh, drone technology, same thing, right? I mean, the agency was front and center on developing drone capability. Now, what are you doing? You're doing that to, to you know, for environmental concerns, um, you know, for mining. Uh, it, it, so it's... I'm a little concerned yeah. about drone technology. My old mm. house that I used to live at, this motherfucker that lived down the street from me used to hover a drone over my house and film like, like I know he's like looking at me. Like, what are you doing? Do you want to watch me swimming, you fucking weirdo. Did you ever go over and talk to him? No, uh, no. Should have sent a drone over his house. Yeah, I was thinking of shooting it down, but it's hard to aim up. No, you can nowadays with a bow and arrow. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, that'd be a hell of a shot. If you have a good <laughs> bow, like, see the way, uh, the way you calculate accuracy with archery. Is you you have a range finder and that range finder has uh, a built-in adjustments for angle, mm-hmm. this angle compensation for up or for down. But I don't know if it has it for straight up in the air, like because you got to think the way you, you're judging how much an arrow is going to drop over the course of the flight. Right, right, right. right. Same with the bullet. To, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. But with a bullet, obviously, there's less compensation because it's right. much faster. But um, 
there's a video that's hilarious of this guy uh, got tired of this block party in Brazil. Mm-hmm. So he loaded up a drone filled with fireworks and uh, he hovered it over the block party and started launching bottle rockets down on these guys that are uh, making too much noise. <laughs> that's excellent, though. I mean, if you think about that sounds like something one of my boys would do. Right. Um, and, and I'm sure they'll be listening to this at some point, so they're, I'm, they, they're going notes. to do this. Yeah, yeah, Scooter, Sluggo, and Muggsy. But, it's when you have um, a kid named Sluggo or Muggsy or Scooter... Guaranteed, they're going to do something. They're going like to do that. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Did Scooter you think was of that just, when you were naming your kids. I didn't. No, no, it didn't occur to me. It didn't occur to me. Although I wanted to give him Eugene or something. I wanted to give Eugene. Eugene. <laughs> I wanted to give him flat tops. Right. Every summer, uh, I, want, I have the same discussion with with uh, with my wife, who's the world's greatest person. Uh, I wanted to uh, give them flat tops, and she always says, "Look." With names like Scooter, Slugger, and Muggsy, you give them a flat top as well, then that's it. <laughs> they're they're you know, in a database. They're, they're exactly. They're going somewhere. But uh, it's, you know, the best way to take down a drone uh, is uh, is just blanket it, jam it, and uh, drop How do you it. do that? Well, you'd, you, it's like... Uh, you know, it, it's like the old days of jamming a radio signal, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you're interrupting, you're blanketing it, and you're interrupting the, the, the data communication from the controller right. to the drone. And um, like the, the drone that was taken down in, in uh, uh, the Iranian drone that we took down. The, right. I think it was the USS Boxer was involved in that out there in, in the, uh, the, the strait. Um, that's how they do it. They don't fire a missile at it anymore. You know, it's just it's much they more just effective. Shoot something at it that disrupts the signal. Right. Yeah. It's just a, it's essentially again not, not to oversimplify. It's just jamming. But is that jamming technology available to civilians? If um, not, to really really smart civilians, I guess it could smart it could civilians. be. Yeah, really smart civilians would probably be able to figure that stuff out. Jamie, but, yeah. know anybody? Let's work on that. I'm looking. Yeah. <laughs> find some real quick. Jamie could probably uh, So, uh, yeah, Scooter Drone was just, technology. Scooter was just out at uh, West Point. Uh, he wants to go to West Point when he's when he's old enough. And so he went out he there does. for a lacrosse program. And I'd forgotten. Have you been to West Point? No. You got you got to go at some it's I know it's a ways away from here. It's not a day trip, but it's this it's a beautiful campus. And I'd forgotten about that. Obviously, it's got a Is that where Jody yeah. Foster was in Silence of the Lambs? Was she? West Point? I don't know. That didn't sound right. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> the drone, drone kill gun. Wow. That's crazy. Mark three. The Mark III. Mark III. <laughs> yes, of course. The Mark III. Lightweight, compact yeah. drone countermeasure. Okay. The, the, uh, the drone gun 3000. Jamie, yeah. order me one of those immediately yeah. on Amazon, please. Yeah, Did that would that, that taken that would have taken you know, care of this guy. Um, yeah, but the problem is it's not as satisfying as a bow and arrow. Th- yes, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. Um so uh, one of the things I wanted – I don't know how we I – mean, it's not a smooth segue, but we were talking a, a bit about technology, technology um, is uh, – particularly with the 2020 election coming up, is this idea of deep fakes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. stuff. Um, and the technology to create this nowadays, to create a deep fake, which essentially just means you're doctoring a, a photo or a video mm-hmm. and making it do what you want it to do to try to convince people of whatever it is. Um, technology is, is, is advancing and, and it's stunning what do can be done. Do you know who Kyle Dunnigan is? Kyle Dunnigan? I should know. I should know. Hilarious stand-up comedian, but he shines in doing deep fakes. And he's working with this other guy. I think the guy's called Dr. Fakenstein or the Fakening. Is it yeah, the Fakening? Yeah, separate guys, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, one of those guys. But go to go to his uh, Instagram and see the new one that he did with Elon Musk. 
he was doing them really kind of crudely with like face with you know um, face swap or face. Yeah, yeah, it's like a little filter that you get for mm. Snapchat or something like that mm. or Instagram. But now he's moved from that to doing this really high end stuff. Go to the Elon Musk one. Look at this. Yeah. Play this. Doctor Fakenstein did this. Yeah. One. Okay. Yeah, uh, at Tesla Labs, which is pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But 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 we had a little snafu. And it looks like time is slowing down and will eventually start going backwards at an increasing rate. So pretty soon you will become a baby again and be sucked back into your mother's vagina. So, yeah. Okay, now pause. Now go to another Kyle Dunnigan video so he can tell what Kyle really looks like. That's him to the right of that. This is what he really looks like, which is fucking madness. Yeah. The guy's hilarious, by the way. He's an awesome guy, too. And he's got a, a great Instagram page, but his Instagram page is mostly him, like the Goldblum. So the Goldblum one is, ch- click on that, because that's a normal one. This is one he did with the filters without Dr. Fakenstein. Look at this. See how it's kind of creepy, yeah, fake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, play that. So Ellen DeGenesaurus uh, seems friendly, but, 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 uh, uh, don't get too close to her. She'll uh, bite your fucking head off. Uh, just ask the... Uh, Mm, Porsche Raptor. Uh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> and that's Dialogue. Ray Liotta. <laughs> Him and Ray, Ray Liotta's always smoking. Yeah. <laughs> Although he gave it up. Remember. <laughs> yeah. But in the videos, he's always smoking yeah. in this. But look, it's it's bad enough that it's extra hilarious because it's bad. Mm-hmm. But the new one that he did with Elon Musk is not bad. It's it's too. It's good. not bad. Like, look at the Caitlyn Jenner one. Go to that Caitlyn Jenner one on the far right. That's fucking genius. Click on this one. Carefully, Kylie. I have something serious to tell you. Yeah. When you had your surgery years ago, I buried your old face in a pet cemetery by accident. And I'm sorry to say it's back. Yum, yum. Ah, oh, there <laughs> it is. Get down, Kylie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, but those those are my favorites. He has the Kardashians. The only that's the only way they talk. They just say yum yum, and then he knows what they're saying. Sort of like Groot in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh god, I don't, I, I don't know how I, I miss these things. I well, clearly watching you, the wrong bro. shit on just, on the internet. Well, you're um, a former CIA guy. Yeah, I should know this. You're, stuff, you're doing important things. Yeah. You don't have time for Kyle Dunn. Uh, well, but this, the, but what you just showed. I mean, people look at that and they go, okay. And then, but you're right. The Elon Musk thing is getting closer to That one's to creepy. That could bone. be a real guy. But right? you could have someone like that say, give me a million dollars or I'll blow your house up. Or just come on yeah. and imagine if he gave uh, you know, some off-the-cuff um, financial data on, on Tesla. Mm-hmm. You know, talked about sure. it as if, as if he'd just come out of a shareholder call and yeah. now he was releasing some information. I mean, think about what that means to the, the all of a sudden the stock price of, of a company if, yes. if, if that happens. But um, the quality – is is so far beyond even that now that can be done by and we're talking mostly state actors like like Russia and so the the, the problem we're facing now is it's not just everybody's kind of kind of aware of you know the the sort of the tweetiverse or whatever the Twitter and um, the trolls that exist on there and the bots and all of that but it's the video the ability to do the video they, mm-hmm. they released one uh, one was done not too long ago with Nancy Pelosi and. It, all it did was slow down her speech, just slightly, but just enough to make it sound as if she was slurring her words. Maybe she'd had a couple of drinks. And that thing was blasted all over social media. And people to this day still think, and they still talk about it, like, you know, she's kind of losing it a little bit. And, right. And 
That I like would, her more, by the way, if she did that. Yeah, I think she, she might make up. a little more sense. Yeah, um, get a little lightened up, lady. Yeah, You're worth yeah. $100 million, and no one knows why. You should be out there partying. I'm sure it was all... Oh, so legit. Yeah. She earned yeah. that $100 yeah. million. Dollars. Mm. For um, sure. There's definitely no shenanigans, no legal no. shenanigans. No, there's nothing like that happening up on Capitol Hill. Um but it, it, so th- this this is a it's something that people should watch. It's something that people should you know read up on a little bit, look at it, because the technology is advancing so quickly that the effort to combat it, the effort to detect it, and there's some companies out there, and the, and, and certainly the, the the government is is working to do that. DARPA and some others are working, but the effort to try to identify doctored videos, right? Particularly when you're talking about elections campaigns. Mm. Um, is is it, it's going to be uh, an increasing problem that we're not really discussing that much. Right. Congress is paying a little bit of attention to it right now, um, but it's uh, it's really problematic. And there's there's things that that you used to be able to look for, right? Lighting and 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 noise and just sort of the movements of the face, uh, what they call micro heartbeats and and and. All the little things is the, is the subject in the video blinking, for instance. When you doctor it, sometimes it, the, the blinking wouldn't be there, and that was a tell. But the the people involved in all of this and creating these deep fakes are working, um, you know, at such a pace that they're getting ahead of that. So uh, it's I mean it's fascinating. So anyway, they're coming up with ways to try to counter it. But I guess the the biggest point is it, it sounds like a public service announcement is people need to be aware of it. And they need to be smart about – of course, they won't be. Everybody goes to the internet and they, they lose their minds and they believe whatever it is that they read that agrees with their opinion. Sure. And there's no bothering of uh, checking you know, uh, whether anything is actually legit anymore or not. But if you – know, that would be my one piece of advice. Going into 2020, starting now – Pay attention. Don't believe anything you see until you prove it. And that's part of the problem too, right? See, we now we stop was, believing anything we see. Right. But yeah. if I was a skeptical person – right. If I was a uh, conspiracy-minded individual, I'd say, Which hmm, you're not. this yeah. guy who used to work for the CIA is telling us not to believe the news. Wait, I see what you're saying. What I'm saying is, uh, you're setting us up. Uh, okay, well, it's time for me to go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Look at that. Right? Uh, wouldn't wouldn't yeah. a normal skeptical person want to think, like, why is he telling yeah. us that? I, I guess, I guess I'm, saying, I'm saying it wrong, because you're right. I don't mean to say, I don't mean to imply... I guess what I'm saying is trust, uh, but verify, right? Mm. When, when, when you're looking at a video of a candidate or you're looking at anything really on the internet now, just be aware of the capabilities. Maybe that's a better right. way of putting all of this because uh, you're right. You don't want the, Part of the problem and one of the things that Russia does and, and others who are involved in this whole propaganda effort, um, one of the things they do want to do is undermine our confidence, obviously, in media. So right. you know, by me saying, don't believe what you see, I'm kind of feeding into that. So you're right. I shouldn't, I shouldn't go that route. Be aware of what the capabilities are. Pay attention. Everybody should just be a little bit smarter about what they're doing. That's all I'm saying. So, and yeah. also, what we're looking at now is so much more powerful than what we had three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, three or four years ago, this technology was not available for the consumer, but now it is. Well, there, there was. I mean, you think about it. If you, not to get too deep, uh, but if you think about the. the Photography. How long has photography been around? There have been efforts to manipulate photography, right? So, sure. the, the, so altering photographs has been around almost as long as the the, the medium itself. Um, you go to uh, Photoshop. Um, that kind of put it all in the hands of the consumer. You know, mm-hmm. um, 
what you were talking about, face uh, swap, uh, the new face app to age people. Yeah. Um, all these things make it easier for whoever's got a smartphone to try to do this. But what you really and, – and that's a problem as well. But one of the things that you really have to worry about is, again, sort of the state actors, like a Russia. I mean, well, and, the, and, Russia yeah. was behind the face swap thing. Well, yeah, and that's a good the point. The face app thing. Right. There are Russian companies that are uh, pushing this technology out there. And what are they doing? Uh, you know, you, every time you do that, it's recording data about you. Well, not only right? that, you have to give your name and your email right. to get that application. And right. then they have a photo of your face that correlates with your name and your email. Yeah. So what they've done is they've gathered up more than 150 million emails and faces. Yeah. And they have data on people. Yeah, that is that's pretty p- powerful stuff. Like if you think about what Facebook has done, right? What Facebook has made billions and billions of dollars by essentially mining data, right? That's what they're about. Right. Google's the same thing. They're mining data. Well, Russia managed to do that with 150 million people in a very very short amount of time, just by making something cute. Oh, let's see what I look like when I'm 100. Right. Now, what do you think they're doing with that data? They're they're slicing and dicing this, trying to understand the American electorate. Right. Yeah. They're gonna they're not gonna stop doing what they did, and they've been doing this forever. We talked about this before. They've been doing this since 1940s. Right. Mm-hmm. Busy trying to keep the U.S. out of World War II before they broke up with the Nazis. It was a, it was a, it was a serious breakup. Uh, but when they were still aligned, they were busy paying off journalists and buying trade unions and all the rest of it. So they're, not, they're never going to stop what they do because it's worked for them and it's just kind of in their DNA. Why? But isn't that also what the United States does as well? I mean, there's got to be some sort of counterintelligence stuff that we do that is – Sort of shady. Well, I don't know about shady, but well, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, justifiably <laughs> shady. How about that? I like that. Okay, that's a good term. Yeah, of course there is, and people always do that. People, every, every, you know, when I when I'm talking about if I if I'm giving a talk about. Uh, Chinese government's uh, constant theft of intellectual property. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody inevitably will come up afterwards and, and they will kind of roll their eyes and go, well, we do it. It's not like it's just them. The U.S. is guilty of it, too. Well, you damn well better hope we are, right? Because if we backed off and said, you know what, uh, just you know, for the sake of being a righteous individual, we're not going to do any of this shit. You you would have to be either willfully ignorant and naive or just fucking stupid to think that Russia, China, these other actors out there are going to stop also, right? right? And we're all going to hold hands and unicorns going to flying out of our ass. It's not going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, I guess the answer to that is always the same, which is, yeah, you better hope we do it and we better hope we do it well. Yeah, but people are nervous about that, right? Like, this is my point about the military budget. Like, if you just cut the military entirely, well, we're all going to start speaking Chinese because some shit's going to go down. Like you can't just cut the military budget. You right. just you can't. You right. just, I mean, right. just cut it out. One, no, no military at all. We're gonna focus on ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. good fucking luck with that. That doesn't work. So the question is like, how much money should you spend on the military? How much money should you spend on counterintelligence? How much money should you spend on propaganda? I mean, there should be some money spent on propaganda overseas, right? Right. Because we're we're trying to manipulate them the way they're trying to manipulate us. The idea though is that we're America. We're nice. We're the good guys. We're doing it the right way, supposedly. Yeah. Well, That's there, there like is that. Right. There is that. And there's, and you know what? Honestly, I'd, I'll be honest with you. I'd, I've always, you know, like, maybe I'm naive or whatever, but that was always my thought process. Me and too. It, you know, when we're out there in the operational world and you think, you know what? Okay, we're See, doing this, but we're doing it for the right reason. And people laugh at that or whatever, but, you know. 
this is my phone. See there you that? go. Look at that. See that Look flag? That. Long may it wave. That's how I, uh, when I open up my phone, the flag waves at me. Yeah. I got a flag behind me. I'm 100% pro-America. I got, I opened up my phone. And we like to think. You know what I got? I got, I got nothing. I got, you got nothing. I got icons You got an old phone, too. Is that some sort of like hack-free yeah. iPhone from the yeah. 60s? This is actually a wind-up uh, phone. Uh, it's a uh, it's I'm surprised a you don't solar. have a flip phone. Yeah. I do have a flip. Phone. The government. Came. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I, and you know do what? I've, I've got a I've got a, a, a collection of phones going all the way back to the the, the cinder block phone. Remember that one? I bet you that have was phones fantastic. With like Saudi Arabian numbers on them and shit, and well, letters. I assumed everybody does. <laughs> um, but yeah, that I think. Do they this give is, you phones that like are like hack proof? Um, they tell you there's phones that you can't use. Well, yeah, you, you certainly know that, you know, from an operational perspective, um, you know, phones are not a good idea. Now, the problem is they're ubiquitous and everybody uses them and it, you know, it's made life very easy. Well, I know it's also a guy, it made life a little bit less secure, obviously. I know a guy uh, that is a, let's just say, done some very unusual journalism mm. and uh, he still has a phone that you can take the batteries out. Because yep. he said there's some places where you go where they will not let you in the room if you have a phone. And so the, the, the workaround is he has an older Samsung phone where you could pop the back off and remove the battery. Mm -hmm. And that's yep. the only way. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, you know, I, I, I would still argue there's, there's workarounds on that one. I would imagine. So, yeah. But um, – uh, yeah, you know like that's, that's why when you phone. when you go into a government facility, you know they go at a skiff. You know you got to leave your phones outside. Yeah, you don't, in a you lead don't, box. Yeah, right? right. So you don't uh, you don't carry your phones in. You know unless you're what was her name that was doing that walking into like, oh the uh, fucking chick from The Apprentice. Yeah, that's Omarosa. Omarosa. That's How right. How hilarious is that? By uh, the way, I know her. I did Fear do? Factor with her. Oh, yeah. Okay. She was okay. on Fear Factor. She told me I was drunk. I was making fun of her. She's like, "You're drunk." I'm like, "No, I'm not. Drunk. <laughs> I'm just making fun of you." Yeah, why wouldn't you? But, but she's uh. she's an unusual person. The fact that yeah. she thought it was okay to do what is a basically treasonous. She was recording these conversations inside the White House and then releasing them to right. the press. How is she not in jail? How does that work? Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure. I didn't quite understand how you how you get around that, right? Because you've got obligations. You've signed paperwork. You do all these things to say, I'm going to do the right thing. And if you run foul of that, then you're supposed to suffer the consequences. And occasionally it seems like people aren't. Um, if I had a so, guess. Want to know what I think? What? I think she saw some shit. And they pulled her aside and they said, listen, Amorosa, I know that you're some sort of a social climber or whatever you're trying to do here but listen what you did will literally get you locked in jail for the rest of your life so how about this how about you just shut your pie hole and uh we'll just let this slide yeah i don't know that she's i don't think anybody would i mean from a intelligence perspective she'd be one of the last people you would trust to actually keep her mouth shut yeah. over any period of time that's so um yeah it's it, that's that's a tough one but that was that's it, it, that's also part of the the, the issue of, of, of uh, leaks, as an example, right? It's I mean, the, it's the issue of choices yeah. that you mm -hmm. make for your cabinet as well, right? Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. You or can't the, just... those, the, the the close circle around you, and that's you know. Again, you can argue. I mean, we, I don't want to get into a political discussion. Trump is an unusual character, and you know you they've think? certainly they've. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> wow, wow. That's going to be that, that'll be headlines. Uh, How about that yeah. fellow that's from England that looks like the, the yeah Boris the Johnson? British, yeah, the Boris British Johnson. Trump. I was just there last week when. Uh, uh, when he went over to Buckingham Palace and, and you know, uh, was uh, asked by the Queen to form the new government and he accepted. And, so, you know, he's he's an interesting character. He went to Eton. He went to Oxford. Um, he's uh, 
He's proven himself to be extremely adept at uh, getting uh, getting elected. And but most importantly, yeah. he looks like Trump's baby brother. Yeah, yeah. You know he what? Looks I, like his fucked up brother. Like can... Trump's dad went over to England and banged some waitress, and uh, bam! <laughs> Next thing you know, look at the two of them together. Oh, I mean, uh, get the fuck out of here. This is my. This is I got I, a buddy of mine sent me this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a South Park one. It's him with a bike helmet on. That's yeah. that's the best side by side I've seen. That's good, but this so one's far. better. This one's better. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it literally looks like a, a young Trump cousin or a brother or something like that. But he's promised, you know, he's promised they're they're out as far as Brexit goes by you know Halloween by thirty one October. They're done. And so they're done yeah. with the whole European Union. That's yeah, well, that's what that's what they're saying. And basically, now that what they're concerned about, of course, is that it's a it's a hard uh, hard exit, right? No deal. Right. Uh, but he's saying it doesn't matter if that's the case. Then that's what we've got to do. And there's a lot of people. It's 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 interesting. The dynamic is a little bit like here in the U.S., right? If you're in the Northeast Corridor, Washington, New York, whatever, Boston, or you're out here on the West Coast, and you 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 tend to view the world differently than everything else, the rest of the mass of the country, right? Which is why people lost their minds and they thought, you know, how could Trump possibly get elected? Mm-hmm. The UK is a little bit like that. That Brexit vote came around and everybody in London was convinced that we're, you know, it's going to be 95%, you know, we're not leaving. And so when it came time and they voted to leave in 2000, whatever, 16, uh, the people in London lost their minds. They couldn't believe it. And they still to this day uh, think everybody else is just an idiot, right? So there's there's a similarities there, which is I think why in part Trump, you know, feels sort of that this kinship with Boris Johnson. Mm. Um, but yeah, so he's – Boris Johnson has said, well, that's it. We're out of here. You know, maybe we can get a deal. If we can't, doesn't matter. We're still leaving. And it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, uh, you know, he's not, uh, he's not unpopular. Um, What's the argument yeah. for them leaving? What's the pro-Brexit argument? Do you really want to have your country, your sovereign nation, run by a bunch of faceless technocrats living in Brussels who have n- really zero interest in your sovereign nation? Right? Uh, that's at the heart of it. It's not an economic decision. People always make that, that, that problem with Brexit. They always say, well, from an economic perspective, this is not a good thing. Well, the, the deal at heart isn't an economic concern. It's, uh, it's the issue of, of sovereignty. It's the issue of being run, again, by Brussels and, and, and sort of the, this morass of, of regulations that they've imposed, um, the inability for the UK to make their own decisions about trade. Um, and so there's a, you know, there, there's a, a good argument in that regard. Is it going to be a financial problem for them? It's not going to be a, a disaster like some people, you know, throw out there and say, oh, my God, this is going to – you know, the UK is going down the toilet fast. That won't happen, but it'll be there'll be an upheaval if they if they you know leave without a deal, but they'll adjust because everybody you know people want to do deals right they want to do trade. It's not like Germany and, and France, which are the only two partners in the EU that really matter. Uh, from, you know, How dare you? I know I can't believe I just said so. That. What's the yeah. um, what's the staying in the European Union argument? Um, Show everybody not racist. It, yeah, global globalism. You know, mm-hmm. it's we're all working together, and isn't this a wonderful thing? And look at you know all the benefits of it: free movement, and you know that free movement, you know, didn't really work that well uh, from from France and Germany's perspective. You know, they don't like to talk mm. about that anymore. Free but, movement is basically what we enjoy in the United States, though, isn't it? I mean, if you look at the United States in relative size in comparison right. to Europe, we're basically commensurate, right? Yeah. In terms yeah. of the, the contiguous United States, 
exactly. size of it. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, then we all speak the same language, but I'm talking. Really about, think, I'm talking about immigration policies. I'm right, not talking about right. movement within the EU. No, no, I understand. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah. even in immigration, right? Like the size of these countries in comparison to the size of states. Like Texas is basically bigger than a lot of fucking right. European nations, right? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it it is. Uh, that argument, sort of the immigration argument, much like some of the other arguments, comes down from the UK's perspective on don't tell us what to do. Right. right? And, you know, maybe there's still an element of, look, we, you know, we were an empire that controlled most of the planet for a while. You know, we'd like to, you know, have a little bit more say in what we're doing. So there, there's an independent streak. The problem is, from EU's perspective, is if they do leave and it's not a disaster, then other countries are going to line up, mm-hmm. right? And, and Italy, maybe, uh, would be uh, the next one. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But yeah, uh, Bojo, as they call him, um, is an interesting cat, not unlike our, our president. Here. Well, it's, uh, in this country, we don't pay attention to other countries. So when we see that, <laughs> we see that guy, like, who's that guy? This new guy? Mm. Like, is, what, where did he come from? Like, is this real? It's like yeah. a new character on a show that you don't watch. Right, right. You know? What but, season did he come in? It's yeah. like, Better Call Saul, season four. Like, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> oh, that's the new bad guy. Ah, oh, I didn't watch. Uh, I have been watching. I just uh, I finished rewatching. I do that. I, instead of watching new shows, I end up rewatching shows that I really liked and mm-hmm. I've watched before, and it's been a while, so I rewatched the first season of Breaking Bad again. Goddamn, a good oh, show. Holy shit. That was Goddamn, so well done. Show. Yeah. And then just that first season, if that's all people watch and they haven't seen it before it's so good yeah but uh yeah and then i just i just binge watched the first season of uh the sopranos again that's a great show that was the first show that really in my mind it it created the first real anti-hero that everybody actually appreciated on television like everybody loved tony soprano he's a fucking murderer constantly cheated on his wife strangled his best friend he's like i'd like him yeah he's i'd like him. he's an interesting cat yeah Yeah. well it was that dynamic with his mother right Mm -hmm. that was that's what the hook was and that certainly that first season was just that that was fascinating to people and still you know still is speaking of deep fakes remember when they tried to bring the mom back after she died like the (laughs) shitty cgi yeah that's that's what shows you like 2005 (laughs) cgi it was goddamn terrible yeah well if you think about when photoshop photoshop was out in what the early 90s mm-hmm. i guess late 80s early 90s um you think about where we've come since then um not to not again not to go back into the sort of the this whole thing with deep fakes but it is when people talk about um russia collusion and they talk about we, we kind of lost our way right and you know every, everybody's kind of guilty of it whether it's Mueller and his investigative team or whether it's congress or whether it's just the general public we all kind of lost our way over the past couple of years imagining somehow that the big story here was uh trump's collusion right well that was a political dodge right that was a shell game that was being played on us it was the big story is what did russia specifically do Right? What exactly did they do? How did they do it? How successful were they? Show us some case studies of, of specific examples. That's what an investigative team should have been doing for mm-hmm. two years. And then deliver that information and keep throwing it out at the public and keep talking to the public about it. I guarantee you the, 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 the GRU and, uh, and, and others, uh, the FSU at the, in, in the Intel services in, the, in Russia, they're happy that we didn't do that, right? Because, again, they've been advancing. They've been improving their, their capabilities. They're going to do it again. So I guess that's why I keep beating on this is that I don't think we, we really focused our attention where we needed to because we all get lost in this political bullshit. And well, I feel, yeah. I, feel, I feel like this is the most easily manipulated we've ever been as a, as a culture, like I yeah. think 
It's yeah. so easy to spin these narratives and to get people upset about anything. Right. And there, I, th- I feel like a lot of these are test cases. Like they're trying to see like what happens when we spin up this story. How how outraged do they get at that story? Like, yeah. Well, look at and look at this. Look at the issue of racism. You know, look at look at. Well, I mean, that, that that thing gets thrown out there now to the point where it's it's. You know, yeah, I hate to say it, but it's it's almost losing its its meaning in a sense, right? They just keep hammering away, and, and, and anybody they disagree with, and I'm talking about the, the 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 hard left progressives, you're a racist, right? It's not possible that you could possibly disagree on policy, mm-hmm. right? Like the the whatever that's a squad, you know, AOC and and her compadres. Right. I don't give a shit about you know where they're from. I care about the fact that their policies, from my perspective, other people I'm sure love them. You know, are screwed up. And what's screwed up about their policies? Well, um, I'm not a democratic socialist, right? So um, I I have a problem with everything from you look at the the Green New Deal, right? Mm-hmm. And this idea that we're going to roll this out and fuck the economic impact, you know? Or I I, what, I, I don't th- I don't think they even thought the- about the economic impact. I think what they're doing is they're just they're playing to the, their a base mm-hmm. and they're doing it successfully. And people hear about it, and everybody wants to be righteous. Everybody wants to think, sure, if I care about the environment, yeah, right. let's get rid of emissions. That'll be a great idea. And whether it's that or open borders, um, and the idea that somehow we're, you know, do I think we're running concentration camps down uh, south? No, I don't think. I, I think that's fucked up. That we would. That's the terminology that we would have. Right for detainment centers. for detainment centers, and you know what you want to you you want to make it better. Well, great. Let's let's actually do what your job is. Let's make some changes to the to the to the uh, immigration rules and to, to asylum laws. Let's uh, put some more money down there um, and make conditions a little bit better. There's things that we could in, in terms of concrete steps, but we don't we don't seem to want to do that. We seem to want to just throw shit around at each other and. And I, I, but the open borders thing is 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 uh, is, is worrisome. Well, there's, a, there's a guy named John Norris who's just on um, uh, my friend Steve Rinell's podcast. <clears throat> it's called the Meat Eater Podcast, mm. and he's a uh, a warden. He's a, a game warden. Mm. And one of the things that they had to deal with somewhere along the line was they had to become enforcers for illegal drug uh, gr- drug marijuana growing. Um, these establishments in public lands, in national parks. So these guys that were supposed to be just catching people with too many trout on their stringer are now being forced to stop illegal grow ops, and it's all cartel members. And what he's saying is that 80 to 90% of all of the marijuana that gets sold illegally in this country, in the Midwest, and all these different places where it's illegal, is coming out of these grow ops. And a lot of it is tainted with dangerous pesticides because these guys are trying to, they're, they're actually using poisons to keep animals from eating the marijuana. Mm, right. and so these kids that are, or whoever the fuck is buying it, they're buying this pot from these illegal places, no one's testing this stuff. You don't right. know what the fuck you're getting, and you very well b- could be smoking pot that's poisoning you. Yeah, this uh, a, a guy that I know, a really good guy, he's, he's a huge landowner here in California, uh, to the point where you can spend all day on an ATV and, and mm-hmm. still not you know, get to the end of one of his uh, plots of land. I don't know if you call it a plot of land. And anyway, he's had those uh, incidents, right? Yes. He's had where they it's such a massive uh, piece of property that... Uh, a a you know, small element from a cartel will set up a grow spot there, 
and you know they'll camouflage it. It's very well done. Yeah, uh, they you bring in the piping for the water because pot uses a huge amount of water. This right? guy was talking and about water that they brought in. They had a pipe that went for three miles. Yeah, these kids yeah. carried it in on their back. Yeah, that's what they, that's what these guys do. And then and then eventually, you know, you got to go in there and, and bust it up. But it's it's people that stumble across it that you know it, they're just out there doing their regular ranching job and and. It's it's it is fascinating. I look. I you know, um, I feel like we should take those guys and reprogram them. You get a guy who's willing to carry a hundred pounds of piping on his back and walk eight <laughs> miles into the backwoods. That's a fucking industrious individual. Yeah. You gotta you gotta lure him away from the cartel with a better deal. Yeah. If that yeah. guy worked for a, a, a competing corporation, he'd be like, "Look, I like the way you do business. Right. Give like, him a job on the ranch. You know, right. give him a job. Yeah, yeah, found yeah. this guy and he was working for Verizon. They'd be like, "Hey, come on over <laughs> here, man. You're fucking putting in the time. This guy's yeah. carrying three miles of hose on his back. That's work. That's that's, that's what we call work. Real work. Yeah. yeah. So use that. Use use your power for good, not evil. That's what I tell my boys. It's hard um, though, because evil's fun. I think. It's uh, away with in something. the short term. It could be more lucrative. Yeah, yeah from their perspective, right. there is that, and they have uh, a record, and probably yeah. murderers. Right. Well, okay. reasons. All right, so maybe we're not talking about someone you're going to hire as a landscaper there, your home. But uh, but you, your point is open is, borders yeah. are not a good idea. Open borders That's is not point. a good idea. There's a lot think. of bad people that are getting in already, and it's not it's not a stretch. This is not if anybody who imagines this to be a stretch or, or is going to take offense at this. Every nation maintains borders. Every nation maintains some element of, of immigration controls and, and borders uh, protection. Um, the idea that we shouldn't or that we should somehow feel exceptionally bad about it is, is – I don't quite understand that mentality. Um, well, we should feel bad when we see someone who's just a poor mother who's trying to come over to America to get a better job because she's stuck in Guatemala and it sucks over there and there's no opportunity whatsoever for her to excel. Right. That's a different animal than someone who is uh, a member of uh, some fucking terrible cartel gang that comes over. The, the question is, how do we differentiate and how do we make it so that that woman who's a mom can come over here? Right. How do we make right. it so it's legal? That's the real question. It's well, and that's not what they're, they're, but that's not what they're addressing, right? right? You know, well, how many decades now have we, you know, heard about immigration controls and immigration process and regulations and policy, and, and they, nothing ever gets done. And so maybe, and again, I, I think one of the things that's interesting about Trump um, is, as 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 strange as as it is, the environment. I mean, maybe the fact that. He is disruptive and sometimes doesn't seem to give a shit. Maybe that's a good thing because it gets us talking and gets us talking in areas that we haven't before and in ways that we haven't before. So maybe that results in something. Maybe like the Chinese, uh, the public's just going to wait for him to go and then it will get back to business as usual. That may happen. But, but even business as usual, the concern is like if – how do you differentiate between – someone who's coming in illegally because they want a better life versus someone who's coming in illegally because they're literally going to commit murder and sell fentanyl and deal, you know, right. incredible harm to whatever community they wind up in. And they're a member of MS-13 and they're going to, there's both things that are going on at the same time. And you're a heartless person if you don't want that lady with a child from Guatemala to come over here and do better. And she's right. probably going to work as hard, if not harder than any good old-fashioned, red-blooded American that's over here trying to make their way through this world. And why should we be able to have this opportunity when they can't? Yeah. One of the beautiful things about America, right, is that, like if you're a poor person and you live in Baltimore, you can get your shit together and get out, and you can move to maybe Silicon Valley. You can move somewhere where there's more prosperity, there's more opportunity, and you can I'm, get I'm something. Sorry. Are there poor people in Baltimore? 
Uh, I heard there are. Okay, I, I heard there's. Yeah. Um, I gotta pay attention. Some yeah. sort of. Uh, there's a Dude, word. No. What is the word he used? Infestation. Infestation of rat. Infestation. Yeah, you can't use infestation when you're talking about certain neighborhoods. People get mad. Even though he said infested with crime and rats, he's still you're racist. Doesn't matter. The the the, the key here is, and it's a democratic uh, talking point, right? I mean, this is a this is a strategy, and that's fine. Both parties use different strategies, sure. and uh, you know, but the the Dems have obviously decided in, in this period of time because it's so intense. There was clearly discussions within wherever the the DNC or elsewhere that this is our policy. We yes. are going to push this, and we're just you just keep hammering that word, racist, racist, right, racist, right. no matter what, and and it's going to stick, and it and it does, yes, because you just you you get hit by that hammer, and you kind of you're staring into the light you don't know how to respond sure right so and you think oh my god i'm not a racist but then you know you know you're like senator you're still beating your wife and, and so it's it's one of those things you can't you can't answer um but i think it's bullshit because it's like calling everybody a nazi it you right. know it loses its 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 importance and its and its meaning and and you know um Anyway, it's it's a it's a strange strange time, but I, I think you can do both. You can you can take care of that that woman with the kid or kids, and and you can also um, you know look at the issue of border security, right, and uh, enhance your ability to understand who's coming across the border. Right, it costs money and it and it requires effort, but you can do you can do both. I don't. I, I think you know. can do both, but th- I think the real big picture, the real big picture, like if you had to look at the solution ob- uh, objectively, the real problem is Mexico has like real economic situations that we don't have here in America. They're it, they're far worse off in a lot of the mm-hmm. areas, and as is Guatemala, as is neighbor El Salvador, all neighboring countries right. are economically devastated until they are not. Until they come up and, and until they experience prosperity, you're always going to have people that are committing crime because they want to try to get by, and you're always going to have people that are want to going to want to try to get to America because it's a place where there's more opportunity. That's yeah. the real issue. The and real I, issue yeah. is that it's so much better over here, right? And that's and, and that makes sense. And you get the same thing with immigration and, and movement of of uh, of people over in Europe coming up right. from from uh, wherever, which from, is the from Brexit Africa argument, and, right? Which is the Brexit argument in part. I mean, it's not just based right. around immigration, but it's more control of your own nations uh, security and destiny etc but i think that that's you could argue that national security um from a u.s perspective um would warrant um improving your ability to impact nations like guatemala el salvador uh wherever uh and mm-hmm. working with mexico to not just improve sort of the security the liaison that goes on and improving that but you're right i mean working conditions uh criminal you know uh, or crime and, and instability um, that's in our national security. I know people get, you know, they get very upset. They say, why should we give countries money? Right. Well, in part, you're right. I mean, sometimes you give them money and it just goes down some shithole. And it doesn't, you know, and I don't mean, to, I'm not talking about the country. I'm just talking literally. It goes into a hole a and it never comes back. A bad person gets yeah. it in corruption right. and they absorb it at the highest levels of government. Yeah. yeah. And, and and so there's no there's no controls over how that money is spent. There's no there's no metrics to say whether it's spent wisely at the end of the day. So you can you, but I, I would argue that yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, it's in our national security interest when we're talking about. Um, uh, border security, immigration, to view that as sort of the top line issue. Mm-hmm. Why are they? Why are they on the move? Right? right. Well, like you said, they're on the move because they want a better life. Because where they're at ain't good. Yes. How do you work with them? And that's you know that's. I think people sometimes look at that and think, well, that's pushing a rock up a hill. It's never going to happen. And so maybe they just stop. Right. But. Um, We've ignored Latin America, Central America, South America for decades, right? Which is how we ended up in part with with Chavez and 
you know, Maduro to follow and, and some of the horseshit that went on down there uh, because we, we ignored it. We didn't give it the resources. We didn't give it the attention. We didn't treat it seriously as a national security concern. We were all focused on wherever, improving relations right. in Southeast Asia or elsewhere. So, yeah, we need to refocus. And I think ultimately, do we see it immediately? No. But I think you're – so anyway, it's, you know. I think for people that are this really – like the foreign policy hour. It is. Yeah. And yeah. With, with at least one dude who doesn't know jack shit about foreign policy, that would be me. <laughs> That'd be a good show, though. But I yeah. – yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I, I really think in the interest of national security, legalizing mar- marijuana federally would stop the profitability of these gang members because you would be able to have legal marijuana you wouldn't have to be able to you wouldn't need to buy it in these other places you'd be able to grow it yourself and the price would drop through the fucking floor and it would be not profitable for these guys to haul three miles of pipe on their back and into the back country and use someone else's land to make these grow ops Mm -hmm. and one of the reasons why they're doing this particularly in california i found out is that when marijuana became legal in California, these illegal grow-ups became a misdemeanor rather than a felony. So they, they do them over here. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing it in Ohio or somewhere else where it's illegal, they do. and also it's, you know, you could basically grow year-round here. I was going to say, from a logistical yeah. point of view. But if they just made yeah. it legal federally, just yeah. cut the shit, we're all grown-ups. Yeah. You know, and, there, you, and there's a tremendous number of issues related to the fact that, you know, the state and the federal laws don't match up. Right. right? And from a law enforcement perspective, it's a nightmare. Nightmare. And it's, yeah. So, nightmare. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, what I, I, you know, what will happen is I, I don't imagine that it makes the uh, cartel activity any different that sucking sound that that is the revenues from uh from weed leaving their their accounts mm-hmm. will be replaced by something else it, for sure it, whether or get into the weed business yeah, yeah. or well yeah i mean yeah. although these yeah. pharmaceutical companies that are fighting against it as well as these uh prison guard unions which is really crazy that's the darkest one to me it's not the pharmaceutical companies look i get it they're just creeps that are looking at their bottom line that every mm. business wants to constantly have new growth every year they want to constantly be making more money i get it it's like this universal uh, eternal growth model that they operate under mm. but the prison guard unions when you find out that they lobby against the legalization of marijuana is so insane what does that i, I didn't know they just so. want more people in jail yeah. so that they have jobs that's the idea behind it it's it's the most un-american thing possible you want more people in jail so that you could have a job looking over those people you basically it's it's sickening yeah that's uh, that's a new one to me i had i had, had no idea the, the guard unions yeah 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 i that, well that private prisons it. in a nutshell are well, pretty fucking gross. private yeah private prisons is is something that you know and there have been i mean again i'm i'm with this current administration, you know, there's, there's been some prison reform issues that have been making their way through, right? They've been actually focused on it to some degree. Maybe they, Thanks you to know. Kim Kardashian. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How crazy is that? Who she's we were just a, looking at. Yeah. She's a fucking yeah. champion. Yeah. She's Look a at. champion of, uh, of people that are wrongly incarcerated. She wanna, really is. I want to show you something. I'm, I'm like- Shout uh, out to Kim K. I'm like one of the, I'm like a crazy, uh, crazy grandpa that clips newspaper articles out. Um, but in preparation for the show, I know most people oh, think I do you, no preparation whatsoever. Newspaper? I know. You're I know those guys. I, I still know. do too. Thank I love you. the newspaper. I do as well. Yeah, thank you. Look at this. College has offered degree and courses in the pot business. Ah, good move. Yeah. Yeah. So it this is really interesting. too now. Did you know that? Podcast? Colleges are teaching podcasting. I know two people uh, that have gone back to school for that. For podcasting? No, no. For, uh, for pot? For pot growing degrees? pot. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. crazy. University of Maryland and Cornell, that's the two that this article talks about. Um, well, the biggest yeah. sponsorship that the UFC has ever gotten, ever, is this Aurora company in Canada that grows weed. CBD and marijuana. They have football fields 
filled with weed. Mm. And, you know, the highest possible standards, the best quality, no pesticides, herbicides, no bullshit, yeah. super pure. And the CBD, which is fantastic for everybody's health. And I just, I'm, I, back when I first started working for the UFC, there were people that worked for the organi- organization that didn't like it that I smoked pot. They're like, why is he smoking pot? What is he doing? It's gonna. Ooh, but now they work for the pot good. company. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's. It, it, I will tell you this is uh, apropos of nothing. I, I got. I've gotten calls, uh, a couple of calls from people in the industry, who are saying, and the only reason they're calling me is they're saying, "Can you hook hook me up with Joe?" It's like we hang out together all the time, of course, right? Because I mean, we're we're always we're always hanging out in the pool together, uh, Joe and I. But so I, I said, no, look, dude, that's not my that's not my job. What do they want? You know, what do they want from me? Um, you know what? I think they just want to pitch you on business. And, they want to bring some spooks in here and yeah. fucking case the joint. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they want to do. No, they're people in the pot CIA. business. No, oh, people oh, in the pot business. Oh, the yeah. pot business. Yeah, no, I the agents. No, the agents. The CIA calls that's me. a great word. Says, spooks. Yeah. Spooks. You got to be careful using that word though, because people think you're racist. Yeah, that was a racist term in the seventies. Well, for, we did a black folks. I, I worked on a show for uh, in the UK, uh, an espionage drama show that ran ran for eight or nine se- uh, seasons, and it was called in the UK. It was called Spooks. It was about uh, their uh, uh, intel operation, mm-hmm. and, and it ran for a long time. But then they sold. They brought it over here to the states, and I think it was on. I don't know, some channel. and um, But they had to change the name. They changed it to MI5, which ah, is the name for the domestic right. security service. Because they were worried about the term. Exactly. But yeah. CIA spooks has always been around. I mean, it's a fucking- It's always been around. The yeah. idea is that there's sneaky people right. that are doing creepy shit. <laughs> there, is no, there is no creepy shit I hear you. being done. You say I'm, whatever I'm, you need I'm, to say. I'm, Go ahead. Yeah, Go. I'm here to tell you right now, and you can write this down. I'm going to write it down. Write it down. Um, there is no, no creepy shit Speaking going of creepy, on. creepy, what's going on with- with uh, Iran caught a bunch of people that they are claiming are CIA oh, yeah. informants and they may execute them. Yeah, yeah, they've done this before. They've made this claim before. Um, and look, Iran is uh, hey, a couple of parts of this. Um, that's one of the heaviest lifts in the business has been intel collection on Iran over the years. I'm not talking about just recently, but over the years, it's been it's been very difficult. Um, they are extremely buttoned up over there, and they have. Uh, an incredible level of control over their population, uh, and that which is, you know, at some point you would think, well, maybe the population is going to object to this, but, you know, it hasn't happened yet. Um, so part of it is they came out with this, uh, I think, 17 individuals that they claim were cooperating with the CIA in some fashion or another. And they, you know, they claimed that they were fairly high-level individuals. Um, IFA, I don't believe anything that comes out of there. Mouths. I don't believe them at all. I think they've 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 got a long, long track record of of lying about a variety of things, and so, you know, why would they come out with this? Um, you know, perhaps they're cracking down, and it it doesn't hurt to come out. And if you're going after some of these individuals anyway, why not put them put the paintbrush on them that they're working for the CIA, right? And and that will appease some of the population there. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm again, I'm not buying it. Um, it has been a difficult intel task, and, and collecting intelligence on on their efforts with uh, with their ballistic missiles, their nuke program as well, uh, has always been has always been problematic. But again, they've they've done this before, where they've talked about how we've wrapped up a CIA spying network, and mm-hmm. it's it's kind of horseshit. It's, but it's happened. just their propaganda. I th- well, yeah. I mean, In again, I, you know, I uh, yeah, I, that that would be my take on it. I don't know what I mean. I'm not I'm not right. internal. I'm not inside, and and so. You know, is it possible? Sure, we've had uh, we've had networks wrapped up before by other countries. Cuba, 
the Cuban Intel Service years ago, right, which was completely built by the Russians, by the way, by the old KGB. They, they owned and operated the Cuban Intel Service for a long time, still do. Um, they, at one point, wrapped up pretty much everybody we had on island mm. right? um, and, and so elsewhere. So how many people did we have over there? Um, uh, three. Um, uh, no, we, we had, uh, you know, I don't, I don't remember few, the numbers, but it was, a, it was one. a few. Yeah. Let's just say it was, it was, it was not good. And they, they, they had done a very good, it was from a, from a counterintelligence perspective, it was a, a pretty impressive effort. So it's happened. Uh, Russia's, you know, uh, done the same when we've usually when with Russia, usually when we've got a, a traitor or a, a mole, you know, somebody like Robert Hansen, um, uh, Jim Nicholson, I've never um, seen Edley show, Howard, the Americans. Oh, yeah. From what I understand, it's a good show. And it was a show based on the idea that at one point in time, there was a Russian family mm -hmm. that had come over here and infiltrated and became American citizens and seemed like, you know, Joe and Mary next door. Right. But really, they were Russian spies. You know, I had an aunt and uncle named Joe and Mary. It's oh, weird really? that you would say that. I right. literally had an aunt and uncle uh, named Joe and Mary. Maybe Lovely I've couple. done some intel on you, buddy. <laughs> trying to see, Look at that. Trying to see it's time to flinch. go. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I, uh, there was, you know, there was a story. The reason the, the American Americans was, was created, was written, as do a lot of things do, based on some smart writer who sees an opportunity because he reads a newspaper article. Right. Uh, years back, uh, 2011, I think it was, we had a, a, a sleeper cell that we wrapped up in Jersey. Remember there was there yeah were, that's where uh, this yeah. takes place right and there was yeah. that one the, the the hot one remember um, oh that's right yeah. the hot bro the, the, the hot banging everybody and the hot Russian bro and so bring them over uh, and then you look at it and you think Man, that hot um, not that hot well I mean we could I think she's I, I'm forgetting what her name was uh, if you're a fat dude Anna that's watering something. your lawn and she walks she's over next door and she's yeah got high heels on yeah where she looks like. wearing nothing but that's her oh yeah, she's she hot is. bro you don't think she's hot not so much there's something about her look. I don't know. There's something about her nose. The you configuration of her nose. Yeah. <laughs> no. She's hot, man. You don't think that lady looks hot? Uh, not there. No. That's not, not a there. good picture. That's for not a good picture. Her. But yeah. the mugshot one up there. Mugshot kind and she's not of. even wearing any makeup. No, that's true. That, Come that's on, a good man. Point. You doll her up. Yeah. Put a little tartar like, up. Come East on, European blue hot. eyeliner on her. She'd be. Uh, if that chick catches you with a couple of Jack Daniels and you, you got trouble. I like how she walks across when you're mowing the lawn. Mm -hmm. You're right. I mean, so, so she sure. and, and a bunch of other people lived in in Jersey in the suburbs, and their whole reason for being was just to spot people right it was it wasn't they were not you know these were not the heads of the of the uh, organization right so their job is spot people live there be uh, you know social meet people that might be of interest maybe it turns out that somebody in the pta where your kids go to school maybe somebody's working for raytheon or they're working for some you know interesting company so that's what they do so that's their job their job was basically to spot and then you've got other people in that chain of of events uh, who are a little bit higher up the food chain who then assess, right? And we'll look at that person and go, yeah, there's maybe there's something there. This person works for whatever company and, and you know, that'd be interesting. It could be, it doesn't matter what the company is, by the way. It could be Qualcomm, could be, you know, think of one that, because the application could be Corning, could be anything. I mean, there's all sorts of companies out there that, that have applications that may be of interest from an Intel perspective for, for a hostile state. So then, you know, they do a little assessment and maybe they come away and go, yeah, yeah, that person's interesting job. Let's develop a little relationship there. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe one of those individuals will work on that relationship, or maybe somebody else will come in. You know, within this uh, this this group, um, and they'll develop a relationship, and then. You know, maybe they'll task the person. So maybe say the guy works at a tech company and, you know, you're going to think, okay, I want to see if this person has any weaknesses. You know, how, you know, can I leverage anything here? And so what you'll say is, uh, you know, uh, oh, my kid, you know, is doing this school paper and it's on, you know, something and uh, okay, I can't, you know. 
<laughs> you know, they, they're just not getting in it or they're not doing the research or whatever. Hey, do you have anything? You know, and you're not asking for anything classified. You're just saying, look, you, you work in a tech company. You know, don't you have something that would be of interest? You know, my kid's got to write this stupid paper. And, and you're not looking for anything of, of Intel value. You're looking to see whether they'll uh, accommodate you. Right? Mm-hmm. Will they actually come back and go, yeah, well, you know what? We got this and it's kind of interesting. And it's this you know, research paper that's you know, been out in the press for a long time. But yeah, it's interesting. Hey, you know, hands it over. Well, now you, maybe you got something, right? Now you got something that you can see that they responded to a little task. And then you so you set the hook a little bit, and then you just keep on working on that. So in the meantime, they're calling back to the KGB and saying, "We have got it. He worked with lithium. Right, he knows information." Just and they say it just like that, <laughs> with that very accent. And they keep jobs and everything, so they <laughs> yeah. work. They go to yeah. work. Every maybe they day. go to work. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're a spouse, you know, mm-hmm. um, a stay-at-home spouse. Well, what do they do? They hang out with other stay-at-home spouses and create friendships because of kids. And the next thing you know, you're all having dinners with each other, and you know, well, you're, you like that Russian you know. broad. She's banging everybody, right? Is well. That what no, you wouldn't do that. That would be a very disruptive thing to do in that community, right? That's the, so, isn't that the premise of the Americans? Uh, I, mean, I haven't seen the show, but I yeah, think I the watched hot one banks people. I watched. <laughs> I watched about half an hour of the yeah. first episode, and then did I did you get angry? Uh, no, no, I just sit there and I got, I'm a very hard person to watch shows like that with, and so so my wife was like, I just can't. No, you can't. I, you can't oh, sit here because it's like yeah. Intel. I mean, I'm going like yeah, <laughs> nonsense. Uh, right. But it was good. I, you know, from what I understand, I it was a good show with a hmm. show where people play pool. No, <laughs> people can't really play pool. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, yeah. I, I was I was just in the UK and boy, I tell you what, I turn on the TV and there's a snooker match on. Yeah, I'm, I'm in there, snooker. I'm in there, right? I'll just yeah. sit and sit and watch snooker. Huge over there. Oh my god! But it's also it's one of those things where either you can sit and watch it, or it's like golf, or you mm-hmm. can't. And I just haven't for some reason. I've got some defect that allows me to sit and watch a billiard match. Have you ever so, played snooker? Uh, it's tough. It's hard. Real hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we have a pool table at home that the, the boys have become pretty damn good at, uh, which is a skill, a life skill. Uh, but, yeah, billiards is, is, is a – Well, pool a is snooker hard. Is a different, snooker is yeah. way harder. Yeah. It's yeah. way harder. They, they excel in American pool. I don't think any American player has ever gone over there and excelled in snooker. I don't I don't, I don't believe so. so. Yeah, yeah. That would be something for I know guys up. have tried – but I don't think anybody's succeeded, but there's been a ton of guys from England yeah. that have come over here, and they do very well on the American pool tour. Yeah, but you know what we do better on is, is, is bowling. We do. We kick the shit out of them when it comes to bowling, yeah. But that's an American um, thing. Well, yeah, there you go. Do but, they bowl, yeah. come over here and bowl? No, I don't think so. I don't, no? I don't think so. I don't think I've, it's, been, it's been that migration. Bowling's that, this a way. uniquely stupid sport. Yeah. And they get yeah. really mad when I say that. I get all these texts. You fucking ignorant. No, I'm not. You're rolling a ball at these things, and you have to pick them back up again. Have you ever bowled sober? I don't think I've ever bowled sober. Yeah, I bowl with my kids. Oh, okay. I'm always sober. Okay. My kids love bowling. Yeah. And they, they put up the little bumper thing so it doesn't oh, yeah. go in the gutter, so you're cheating. Yeah. So you yeah. can just basically whip that fucking thing down there 100 miles an hour. <laughs> That's what I do. My thrill is to hear the loudest So you the leave the bumper up when you bowl. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> if it's up for them, it's up for me. I'm yeah. just going to Yeah, you're not going to give thing. them an edge. No. Yeah, you know, don't, don't let them win. Do you let your kids on the floor. Do you let your kids win? And yes. Things? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. All the time. But I did get a hamstring injury because I didn't let my kid beat me in a race. <laughs> How old? She's eleven. Okay. I was ru- I was running. I knew something was going on. I'm like, who cares? Push through. She's not winning. <laughs> then my fucking hamstrings hurting. Uh, my my middle boy uh, Sluggo plays basketball. That's all he wants to do, day and night. 
uh, and he's he's a bit like uh, the he's sort of like the Rain Man of basketball too. So yeah. in terms of facts, figures, characters, you know, he can go back to Jerry West and 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 he'll tell you about Bill Russell's career and everything. But he loves basketball. Does he, he want to play he professionally? Plays. Yes, he does. Yeah. Really? So, but how know, tall are you? Uh, you know, it doesn't look like it, but in uh, in a deep fake video, I look about six foot ten. But what are uh, you like six? Uh, six one, six not one? quite six one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you're gonna have to get that kid on growth hormone. Yeah, well, well he already is. Up. He is. Yeah. Shoot him up with some stuff. <laughs> so Stretch him out. I put it in his night. burgers. Hang uh, him out by his ankles. But he, but that's all he does. He plays and he just constantly <laughs> and he just all he wants to do is play. And so he's got to the point where you know for a long time I would just we'd go out we got a court at home and I'd I'd, I'd play and. And uh, I kind of let him, you know, it's, it's, I, and then it gets to the point where I can't really beat him. I've got right. height on him, right? Right. But his handles are extremely good now. Mm. And so, and I'm not the fastest kid on the block anymore. And so it's gotten to the point now where he's legitimately beat me a handful of times. And mm. it's very embarrassing because he doesn't really have an edit button. So he <laughs> he just rubs that <laughs> shit in, right? And it's like it's like, uh, it's like the Lion King when Scar wants to take over, right? right and he's right. just like, uh, well, that was pretty good, wasn't it? The Lion King yeah, reference. it's a good reference. Yeah. So anyway, but you yeah. you got to let him do that, though. It's an exercise for you and patience. So when he's yeah. talking shit, that's how I look at it. My kids talk shit if they beat me. I just go, okay, go ahead. Talk yeah. some shit. Yeah. And that's yeah. like, you can't can't let it be personal no no you gotta treat it like almost like an internet heckler yeah (laughs) my kids are allowed to hit me full blast so my my kids take martial arts Uh and i let them not the oldest one the oldest one's 22 she'll fuck me up yeah yeah but the uh the young ones i let them tee off on me they they they're allowed to full blast leg kick me they can hurt me yeah they'll hurt you yeah but i want them to be able to feel what it feels like to actually hit a person yeah because when you're sparring in martial arts class you're not allowed to like hit people full blast you just kind of touch them you know and so i let them just fucking slam shins into my thighs (laughs) and i teach them how to turn it over and dig the really dig that bone into the soft spark but that's good that's that's actually really good fucking hurt sometimes though but yeah. uh, it's well, we, good. When we they have hurt the same me. problem with my with my boys because they they're, they're fairly competitive and they're they're aggressive, and you know I I keep telling them I said look getting punched in the face isn't good and mm-hmm. you know until you actually do well you know they've gotten into some into some uh, I was gonna say fisticuffs uh, I don't know if you can say that you okay you're allowed to say fisticuffs okay. I guess Jamie's fisticuffs over there dying yeah happened, I know. We're, just, we're continuing to talk over there and he's. He's, dying. Yeah, um, he has a hard time with water. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's 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 hard to teach your kids, you know, uh, what that's like, right? right? And you know, at some point, you know, maybe they they uh, they go through that. The, the youngest one uh, broke his nose, uh, courtesy of the older the oldest mm. one. So Muggsy got his nose broke in a in a contest with uh, with the older one, the oldest one, Scooter, and uh, and he found out that's no fun. The right. thing is, though, that yeah. kid's going to be the tough one. Yeah. The kid that, that – it's always the youngest ones. Like, you see it mm-hmm. in the UFC. When there's older brothers and younger brothers, the older brothers gener- generally pick on the younger brothers, and the younger brothers, once they reach adulthood, almost always can fuck up the older brothers. Yeah. yeah. It's really weird. Yeah. Yeah, I was I, – I took a lot of beatings when I was younger because I'm the youngest of, of four ah, boys. that makes sense. And so – uh, yeah, I, but it's, yeah, it, it's good. It's good stuff. And, and, oh my God, it's, it, there's, there's, it's constant entertainment. All right. I mean, you know what it's like, you know, mm-hmm. with kids, there's always something. And I'm sure right now people are going, oh my God, he's going to start talking about his kids again at length. And, and, they get and I'm mad. not going to do that. Yeah. Cause the kids' names are so cartoonish. Yeah, I know. Well, that's part of the reason why they get mad. Yeah. As they are. But, uh, anyway, so, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, Russians. The, yeah. Look at it. what like, I like, I'm, Newspaper. I'm like uncle Joe here. I've, I've cut out some, some shit to talk about. A deep fakes. We talked about that. Okay. Okay. What else? Uh, 
I wrote down some notes too. My God, I was prepared for this. You are thing. prepared. I've never been prepared for your show before, and you know why what? did you decide to get prepared this time? You know why? Because because you've got you've got some really uh, great. Uh, uh, Guests? Uh, well, no, not really, but viewers, uh, ah. listeners, I mean. I was trying to think. The people that follow this show, um, I find to be uh, really fascinating. I get a lot of, of uh, feedback, and I, I feel like, you know, I, yeah, I should pay attention and I should, I should prepare a little bit uh, because there, there, there's a lot of interest, right, in some of these things that we talk about. Sure. And, you know, so, see, well, sometimes I go out and I, I wing it, you know, and, and uh, to be fair, on news segments, I just make shit up. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't do that. Um, I know you wanted yeah. to talk about Huawei. 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 Yeah. Which I think yeah. is a really fascinating subject to me um, and a lot of people that are tech inclined because they are – at the tip of the spear when it comes to technological innovation in the cell phone space. Yeah. And I know that they're doing that with in, in regards to modems and a bunch of other things as well. But it appears at least, and a lot of companies are exclusively using their 5G modems as 5G rolls out. Oh, yeah. yeah. But it appears they, they are involved in some serious shenanigans and they have deep roots with the Chinese government. They do. They claim they don't. They claim, look, we're independent. We would never do whatever the Chinese authorities say. Think about that sentence. Think about a company. With the global reach of Huawei, uh, of that importance to the Chinese state, and think about them saying, trying to say with a straight face, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do, you know, things that the Chinese government might ask us to do. What if a you were shit. a real Chinese yeah. company and you said that and you meant it, they would shut you yeah, down. Yeah, exactly. They'd yeah. be like, you won't? Yeah, you would not be in business for that long. Or there would be a change in the senior management of right. the business. Um, so, And Huawei's been caught out. They've been caught out in Europe um, uh, uh, to, the, to the degree where at a certain point you think Germany uh, and others that are uh, deeply involved with Huawei now in terms of the 5G infrastructure, where they've just made this decision. Look, it's financially better for us to work with Huawei, and we can set aside the security risks. They literally made that decision. Yeah, that, that was, that, I was yeah. reading an article about that very recently, that they've just decided to have some sort of a risk uh, to reward conversation and the, the the risk is worth the reward right right and so you know that's that's their calculation from a u.s perspective because we are you know look there's there's two essentially two superpowers now right i mean china's you know um advancing and and uh we're not the lone superpower on the stage anymore and so we are the number one target um and you know our calculation has to be different so we've been going at it, and I know everybody. I, I think it's been it's been pretty well covered. It didn't used to be covered very well, but it's been pretty well covered over the past couple of months. And now what's happening is we've been in these trade negotiations with China, and I think, unfortunately, I think the current administration, the Trump administration, is going to uh, blink. And I think they're because Huawei is such a huge issue for the Chinese, and the idea that we would prevent. Um, our companies from selling into or purchasing from or dealing with, and that we would have uh, sanctions on other countries that that do, um, they view that as such a threat to their own uh, interests and their own future uh, that Huawei is front and center with any trade deal. So they're looking. They're not doing any trade deal unless we make concessions on Huawei. And I have a feeling the Trump administration is going to make those concessions because – from a political perspective, they want a trade deal. 
Right, and so far they've actually said to Google that Google's going to stop using the Android operating system for the, for the Chinese phones, mm-hmm. for Huawei's phones at least. They're going to not let them license out the... So Huawei's actually been at least rumored to be in production of their own operating system, which would mean they would have to have their own, not just operating system, but they'd, they'd have to have their own ecosystem. So mm-hmm. they'd have to have an app store. They'd have to have all the all the jazz that we have today. When you If you sign up for, you buy an Android phone, you have access to the Google Play Market, which is this huge resource of mm-hmm. applications. And as soon as you take that away, you've got to kind of rebuild that whole thing from scratch. Right, right. Well, it, it, Huawei doesn't lack anything in resources. You know, they'll be fine, you know, because it's, the, the state will provide and ensure that they have the resources they need. They also, you know, we're the outlier here, right? I mean, we've been working with New Zealand and Canada and, and you know, the U.K. to some degree, but the U.K. has been, you know, they've been kind of pushing back a little bit on this idea that we're going to isolate Huawei. I, I don't think that's going to happen. And so they, they're using Huawei devices? Um, they, they, to some degree, yes. Uh, they've been slower to adopt and, and, and kind of mesh their infrastructure with Huawei's for people, gear. For people who don't know what we're talking about, could you please just lay out what's the concern? What do they think that Huawei's doing? Um, Huawei is essentially um, – what's the, the, the way to put this would be uh, imagine a communications network that spans the globe. And uh, – Huawei builds uh, and provides uh, gear, and certainly going into 5G, um, they're a leading provider, and, cert- and, and, and then financially they, they can offer countries uh, much better uh, deals than, than other providers. But they are a, an intricate part of that communications web. So if you imagine that Huawei is a state-sponsored entity – and will respond to Chinese uh, authorities' requests for information or intelligence that's passing through this communications web around the globe. Our our business communications, our military communications, um, intelligence communications that that all kind of go through at some point this interconnected system. Uh, That's the problem because they're essentially building backdoors into that system that allow them to suck uh, communications out of that network and use it for their own purposes. It's a great intelligence tool, right? So if you think about it in a way, basically it's a, it's a, uh, it, it's a, a, an advancement on the idea that you are wiretapping somebody or, you know, you've, you've created ability to intercept some communications, right? They link themselves with the EU. Well, what happens? We've got military communications, right, with the EU. Our military talks to the EU military and, and, and we've got NATO concerns and everything. So if, if there's an element in that infrastructure that touches in and has a door that opens to some Huawei gear, right, then the danger here is, and they've, they've had back doors discovered in the past, and then Huawei puts their hands up and go, oh, well, we didn't know that was there. We'll correct it. And then it turns out they don't correct it. And then, you know, oh, sorry about that. You know, they, don't, they, they honestly don't give a shit. They, I, when I say how aggressive they are in terms of sucking up information, I, I can't uh, overstate it, right? And so this, that's why it's a problem for us is because, you know, if we – if we convince uh, Australia and and you know the Five Eyes nations, New Zealand is, and, and and others not to work with Huawei, and then say Canada, you know, which is willing to do a deal, well, we've got seamless communications infrastructure with Canada. So all of a sudden, the fact that they're doing business with Huawei, but we're not, we're still at risk. We're still in jeopardy because that information is still flowing to some degree where it's accessible to to Huawei and their ability to to, to get at. So I. 
you know, again, I know, and I know people listen to that and they go, uh, why is that of any concern? Well, it's a concern because it used to be in the old days, it was a, a you know, um, it was us and the Russians, Soviet Union. Uh, Russia's, you know, they got the GDP of a small EU nation. China is is on the march. They, they, they view themselves in a certain fashion. That's why they're pushing out in the South China Sea. They've been building up their military. They've been doing deals all over the, the world. Uh, for rare earth minerals to you know to labor just uh, uh, access to naval ports doesn't matter what it is they've been busy doing that because they view themselves at the top of the food chain now I guess we could say well okay fine maybe it's their turn or something but I that's not how I view the world right I mean we can either be on top or we can you know be sucking wind and and so it goes back to that one of those early questions you asked is how much do we spend on defense how much do we spend on on intel, how much do we spend on, and whatever it may be, and and I think the answer is that's where intelligence comes in. You have to know what the op, what the hostile nation is doing. You have to know what the competitor is doing. It's just like in business, and then you have to spend enough to stay ahead of that, right? Even if it's a small amount, you got to stay ahead. You got and and it's it, it behooves us not to fall behind. Um, that's never a good thing. I know we don't always do things right, but as a nation, um, the world is much better off with us. Um, Sort of at the, and this is going to sound wrong to a lot of people. They're going to think, "Oh my God, that's terrible." But with us at the top, we're we're more altruistic. Uh, maybe that is. I don't know if that's the word or not. But I think it's a good um, word. Yeah. So anyway, so I that's that's my view. A lot of people say bullshit, but you know, hey, everyone's got different experiences. You know. Well, is there a way? To detect, like when they release, say if they release a Huawei phone, mm-hmm. and which is a really, it's really interesting that just a few years ago Huawei was not even a major player by any stretch of the imagination. Now it's the number two cell phone provider in the world, uh, past Apple, which is incredible when you consider the fact that they barely have a foothold in the American market. They very few people buy their phones, and I, if they do buy their phones, they buy unlocked phones from overseas. Yeah, it's really kind of crazy. Um, but is there a way where they could detect whether or not there is a backdoor in these phones? I mean, or is it something where they could develop it to the point where you really would have no idea? Um, no, we can we, – we stay pretty well – you know, that you, you, yeah, it's a good it, it's a good question. But I, I, I would say that uh, as long as we continue what we're doing in terms of uh, counterintelligence and, and uh, tech advances – and efforts in in cyberspace and elsewhere, and certainly in communications hardware, to stay ahead of potential hostile activity. I think we're we're okay. We we we're good at detecting problems. We're good at identifying weaknesses in in these systems. Um, the problem is again, it's a global community. We can't isolate ourselves in terms of communications infrastructure. It just doesn't work. So if you know, it's like a chain and a weak link. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, yeah, see, I gave you that analogy. That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, thank you. I, I made that. You are the weakest yep. link. You are exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's. I mean, anyway, but that's Huawei, and I and I do think that it, the interesting part will be, uh, what does the administration do in their desire to get a trade deal? Are they willing mm. to blink on this because they they put their foot down, right? And right. now because we're so dysfunctional here in the states from a political perspective, now you've got people like Chuck Schumer going, well, you know, Trump better not blink on this. This is important. So suddenly Chuck Schumer is a hawk 
on yeah, you know ass. protecting us from from you know Chinese espionage, right? Mm. And but simply because you know he sees there's a political opening here. You know, if if Trump backtracks on Huawei now, hey, good from the Democrat perspective, they can use that to bang on him. You know, right, so right. it's all it all comes down to, to politics, but. But this is something that people didn't even understand was an issue, like uh, nationally. This is something right. that no one was even aware of until a few months ago. And when I started reading about it, one of the first things that I was reading about was, you know, I'm kind of a technology nerd. Mm-hmm. And so I was fascinated by some of their newest phones, which were really far advanced to what you're getting offered in the United States. Yeah. And um, a lot of that uh, ability to, to create in record time um, comes from... <laughs> Theft of intellectual Theft of property. Intellectual property. Yeah. yeah, and that's how they over the years. Again, that was a uh, that was a collective decision by the authorities there. That just, this is how we're going to advance, right? Mm-hmm. We, we they looked and they make a calculation that says we can't afford to wait decades while we do our own research and development. You know, well let's let's just take it. And Huawei is not the only Chinese phone manufacturer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. there's quite a few different ones over there, but they're the only one that seems to be banned. What's that other one? Zami? Well, there's, there's quite a few. There are, but Huawei has been, because of their size their, and their connection to the government, um, and because of the resources that the government's been willing to, um, to provide to them, the advantage that they have, um, and the speed with which they were able to kind of embed themselves into other nations' uh, telecommunications infrastructure, that's why they're so important. Right, but the general, yeah, the, uh, you know, are there other companies? We well, of course, yeah. I mean, there's a variety of companies we should be worried about from that perspective. I and mean, it's not look to be fair. I, I, I spent some time on China because it's just, you know, they're the number one state, you know, sponsored perpetrator of theft of intellectual property. But mm. you well, know, there's, there's so other countries involved in it. So. They copy entire cities, which is really insane. Have you seen that? Yeah. They, they have a fake Paris over there. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, you know, they've got – you go some of these places I – mean, and look, and, and Chinese history culture is, is fantastic, right? And I've been over there in, in times and I've just like marveled at how, how, you know, how interesting the people are, how friendly they are. How I mean, they, look, there's, there's a lot of wonderful things about China, but I'm just saying the authorities, right, the government policy of – um, no rule of law of of uh, the no protection when it comes to intellectual property. All these things and their aggressiveness in stealing information. That's the problem. Um, but China as a country is is a fascinating place. So uh, that was I don't know why I said that. That's just my. It is a fascinating yeah, place. Yeah. It's very 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 old, which is something that we don't <laughs> totally understand. That was like right? five varies. Well, you think about yeah. like when you look at. The, the history of China, it's really, it's amazing. Yeah. It goes back so far. When you look at this country, it's a couple of hundred years and that's it. Oh, I know. Well, we come across a house that's a hundred yeah. years old and someone slaps a historic yeah. thing on there and you can't, suddenly can't do anything to it. Right. right. And we've, we've faced that in the past. When, well, I know a guy who's got a house that was built in the twenties and they have a historic <laughs> thing on it. <laughs> the 1920s. Soon it'll be, yeah. the, soon it'll be the architecture of the sixties that we want to protect. Yeah. yeah probably. Uh, Plastic over couches. Remember yeah. that? Oh, that was, that was a good thing. Right. You mm. know, and nobody wanted to sit on those in the summer. So um, what what do you think is going to happen? You really think that the government's going to cave and they're going to give in to, uh, to yeah, Huawei? I think so because I think they really they they definitely want a trade deal in some capacity, and China's not going to blink on this, right? They'll mm. they'll figure out how to how to kind of bear the burden of the tariffs and and make things work on you know for them well, to the so degree. much gets built over there yeah. too. I mean, all the Apple stuff's getting built over there now, and 
There was just a recent story uh, where Tim Cook was trying to get Trump to back down off of some tariffs because, you know, they're going to have a 25% tariff on some Apple products that they're building in China. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the idea that, look, it's not the idea that you can, yeah. Huawei revenue jumps 23% despite U.S. crackdown. Yeah. Because, look, overseas, their phones are gigantic. They figured out, you know, Samsung made a huge disastrous mistake with their Galaxy Fold. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, but they have the foldable phone. Well, they have a Mate X that apparently is way better than the Galaxy Fold. It's a better design, and it's viable it works yeah samsung's an incredible company and it's it's you got an amazing history of, of innovation and technology but but you're right they have had a couple of they've had a couple of missteps the fold wasn't the only one that they had a misstep the Note on seven that yeah. blow up right that's Remember a problem that? right when that you got a phone a that explodes that's not necessarily what you want in a communications device what james um, what are you pointing at the huawei made x is not re- as good as said what it says the design, design changed yeah. just a few weeks before the release well what's wrong it hasn't with even it? come out yet they just does not change the. I don't know. It's yeah, but it doesn't spotted. mean it's not better. Why are you saying it means it's not better? The people that have tried it have said it's better. It's just saying these last minute tweaks have been made to the device ahead of the anticipated yeah. release in September. An additional yet. sensor appears to have been added to the phone's camera module. That's to find out where you live. Exactly. <laughs> t- I mean, yeah. that doesn't mean it's not better, Jamie. No, it's not out yet. So how would anybody know? The people that have reviewed it. There's it's people just, that have reviewed it. All the tech sites have reviewed it. But then they just changed it. You just don't like yeah, it. Yeah, well, they just like tweaked the yeah, sensor. Yeah. You're just talking shit over there, buddy. Why don't you go back to coughing on water? Are you <laughs> anti-Huawei? Is that what it is? Uh, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what is your problem? They, they, huh? they did use the Leica name, too. Like, I licensed it for their camera. I don't think that they're using like Leica cameras in oh, their camera. Not? It's like a – I've used it. I used it at CES like three years ago. I thought they used Leica cameras for the, the <clears throat> Pro or whatever it is. They use the name – but I don't believe that it's it's not. I mean, it might be a like a sensor, but it's like a very it's a microchip compared to the the one I have in this camera. That's ex- very well, of expensive. Course. It's, it's very not different the same thing at all. A camera, but I mean, I think they use like a lenses, right, or like a something. Uh, Good God! Can tell. we get to the bottom yeah. of this? Yeah. When I was there, yeah. that's what I was super interested in, it, and I was trying to tell us like what what are they using about this name? There's a photographer I follow that was promoting it, mm-hmm. and I was like, it just seems like they're using the name is all. I couldn't tell that it was a better photo. I couldn't tell. They don't even have authorization. They They're they just using well the name. Be, but I yeah. guess all I couldn't tell at all. But you don't know they're not, right? You're just I, again, baseless that's, that's accusations. what I'm just saying. I couldn't tell. But as a photographer, I couldn't, I could, like, all you're using is the name. This isn't a, a better photo. It's not, doesn't have the value of the like name. Well, that's what I was getting at. They have some pretty spectacular cameras, though, Jamie. Yeah. I mean, they're, they had the very best ever night vision camera. Not night vision, but night sight, like mm-hmm. the ability to take. Uh, photographs at night and you, it looks like pull up uh, Huawei night photograph examples because Google Pixel 3 is the second best one but the one, best one is supposedly the Huawei one that Zoom came out a couple months ago and people were saying that that was bullshit which, that, what is that? It was like it had a super zoom technology lens that people were – someone was right, zooming in real right, far. Right, I was right. like, there's no way that that's real. But who said it's no way that that's real? Photographers. Photographers. Reviewers. People that are using the, this stuff and said – But they, they weren't using not, this, though. Well, they were one, just – One thing has out, been yeah. proven. Okay. One thing has been proven, that Huawei has taken some photographs and said they were taken on a Huawei phone, right. and they were actually taken mm-hmm. on a very high-end like yeah, yeah. very high end camera. <laughs> also, Huawei posted some stuff on Instagram from iPhones. They got caught a couple times doing that, <laughs> which is also quite hilarious. But um, 
yeah, it's a it's a sneaky business, and if if that's how they're going to do it, they're going to get in through the back door and get information th- through phones and mm-hmm. modems and. And it may not be, you know, it, 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 it may not be something that they, they worry about now in terms of access. I mean, people say, well, why do they want the access now? They just want to know that they can. I mean, imagine right. a conflict in the future where they have that ability, right, either mm-hmm. to uh, real-time monitor communications through this network that they've been able to build trap doors into, um, you know, or to impact the mm-hmm. flow of communication more aggressively, more proactively to to do things. Uh, it's you know it's it's like uh, it's like mapping out our infrastructure, right? Um, the testing, the probing that goes on of our uh, of our electrical grid, as an example. I mean, that's just planning for the future. In in, in the event that something bad's going to happen, if there's going to be a conflict. You know, they, they want to know, as do we. I mean, again, to your point that, you know, hopefully we're doing the same stuff. And, right. and um, so, yeah, it, it, it's something else interesting uh, when you're talking about China, though, is and, and you think about, okay, what should we be watching? And we touched on Russia a little bit, is the alliance between, possible alliance between Russia and China. And it's an interesting dynamic. You know, traditionally, Russia, China haven't been together. Um, there have always been some areas of concern, um, you know, um, uh, distrust. Uh, but it, there are signs, there are things happening that appear as if China and Russia have made a strategic decision to align themselves closer. And that would be because they've made that determination that somehow it's in their best interests. Uh, you know, and not necessarily that it's going to be that way for any long period of time. But right now in the current environment, um, you see Russia um, – acting as if what they want is a stronger alliance, military alliance and, and political alliance, economic alliance with China. Um, and it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic that we need to be watching, we need to be aware mm. of. Um, and, and part of that is, you know, people, again, this, this idea that, you know, there was this Russia-Trump uh, collusion and thinking, okay, well, that's good, except our relations with Russia haven't been this bad in a long time. So maybe it's all a very clever mind game that they're playing because they're closely aligned, but I don't think so. So we've actually um, uh, laid on more uh, significant sanctions on Russia. Uh, We've attacked them from an energy perspective in terms of our ability to um, create our independence, you know, particularly from from, uh, natural gas. Um, that has damaged Russia's abilities. So I think there's reasons why they're, they're gravitating towards China right now. But this idea that somehow Trump is super friendly and is a useful idiot of Putin, it doesn't, doesn't play out when you look at the reality of the relationship uh, between the two countries. That whole Russian collusion thing is a very confusing narrative because on one hand you have the Democrats who are saying without doubt there's Russian collusion and then the other – side, you have the Republicans that say the Mueller report essentially exonerated Trump from being a part of any sort of Russian collusion. Mm-hmm. I don't think either one is totally accurate. I think there's a lot of like weird gray yeah, in both, I, both narratives. I, I think that the Democrat narrative is easier to understand. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense from their perspective. Right. Why wouldn't, That's how we won. Yeah, why wouldn't we push that? Um, to this day, they're just still amazed that they they lost and so there must be some grander reason why because we just clearly we couldn't lose to this guy right and so and and it was also a talking point much like you know let's hit everybody with the racist hammer it's a talking point right. and it's worked for them over you know, at least the first couple of years um on the on on the on the republican side um look the russians 
knew what they were doing, right? They were fucking with the election on several different levels. Right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't just trolling through the internet. It wasn't, you know, just placing stories that, that they could. It wasn't just trying to foment, you know, divisiveness and discontent. It was also doing these little dangle things, you know, where they're, you know, they're looking to see what are they going to bite? What are they going to do? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you think about that Christopher Steele dossier. That was a, a piece of shit. I mean, if, if we saw that in, in the commercial side of things, you know, I've got a business in global intelligence and, and, and research and security. Um, that thing was just, there was nothing, it was shot full of holes, right? And so you think, well, what's, somebody should have asked, tell me about your sources, you know? Why are your sources talking? What, what was, you know, you've got to, anytime you've got a piece of intelligence, right, you've got to do a few basic things. You know, where'd it come from? Can you explain you know, to people what know. the Steele dossier was all about? Yeah, it was basically just, look, they were going after opposition research, political opposition research, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, Christopher Steele, who was a, you know, a paid uh, hired consultant, used to be with British intelligence, not, you know, not a James Bond type, um, but, you know, a decent enough, by all you know, accounts, a decent enough guy. Um, but he entered the world of private sector information gathering right and i've got a company that's what we do all around the world and and you um you can't relax your standards just because you're now in the commercial sector right when you get a piece of information you need to test that piece of information and one of the first things you need to do is understand what's the sourcing for it and why did why did they have access you know, how credible are they? What's their track record? And why, by the way, are they providing this information? And how did it eventually, you know, make its way to this report? And those are the sort of simple things that whether you're a, a, a corporation that's gathering intelligence about a, a market that you may enter with, a, you know, an investment, um, or whether you're still in the business and you're an intel officer and you're, you know, talking to a source that works in some foreign ministry somewhere, you've got to be able to you know, stress test the intelligence, and, and shit wasn't done. People people liked what they saw. They saw negative information about the the, the candidate, and just r run with that shit, right? And the more times you, it's like it's like the old uh, WMD reporting that came out of the early days in Iraq. The more you repeat it, even if it's one source, and that source is, is a piece of shit, the more you repeat it, people are going to buy it, right? right. So Russian yeah. collusion, Russian, Russian collusion. You Russian just keep collusion. repeating that, and that it's going to happen at some point. It'll happen. But um, anyway, so. But it seems like <sighs> Russia definitely likes to disrupt our democracy. Absolutely, and what's been, the yeah. benefit of that? Uh, the, well, uh, part of it is, um, in in the old days, it was sort of a struggle for supremacy in the world, right? I mean, that was that's kind of at its core. That's what it was, right? Um, and their ability to chip away in faith in de uh, democratic institutions was at the core of a lot of the crap that they pulled. And it still is. I mean, so that's all the when, – when you're talking about a propaganda effort like the, uh, the screwing with the last election, um, what's their goal? Well, their goal isn't necessarily that, – that's where they, they – you know, do they care whether one candidate or another wins? Well, maybe, maybe they do, right? But you'd be hard-pressed to argue that, you know, they were working against uh, Hillary Clinton who had said, you know, we want to have a reset and, you know, and, and have a new relationship with Russia and work with them. I mean – Maybe they looked at Trump and thought, yeah, that's the guy we want to work with. But over that, the more important issue was in just chipping away at, 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 at Americans' belief in democratic institutions. Get us all so that we question the credibility of, of a democracy. And that's been the fundamental belief for uh, propaganda efforts within the old KGB and now the FSU. And, and, and so it's, it's, you know, it's as simple as that in a way. Um, and it worked. 
I mean, look at this. You know, we've spent years now just bitching at each other and yelling and screaming and, and complaining, and we bought into it because we all, like we talked about before, we all, you know, we're easily duped. You know, mm. and, and I don't know how you get around that. I don't know how we walk that back. Maybe we don't, but um, I think it's an informed public that, that helps to battle this. But we haven't, we lost sight of what was important here. And that is, and so I think the public needs, it's their responsibility. You like this, yeah, you like where you live, <laughs> then you got to make an effort to try to keep it, right? And, you, and part of that is being an informed public and understanding what hostile elements may be out there, you know, without being paranoid, but just understand why they're doing things in the way that the world operates, you know? And, and you'll always have that group of people that, that, you know, don't buy into any of that bullshit and think it's all just, we should all be holding hands. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's... That's a fun one. That's that's a fun narrative. <laughs> it's a good narrative. It's a happy narrative. Yeah. Right. When you talk to people that have seen terrible things that take place all around the world, that narrative is hard to swallow. Like when you read about these uh, gang members that are coming in and growing pot and fucking shooting at people, and they've got these high-level yeah. task force just to de- deal with these cartel members that are growing weed. Right. I mean, this is. Right. This and that's is just, just one part neighbor. of what they're doing, yeah. right? That's just, right. just human trafficking and mm-hmm. everything else that they get involved in extortion. And fentanyl, and which is probably the scariest shit. thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's it. And that's that's what you have to worry about. If you if you push them out of the market because you, you legalize everything, which, you know, I assume that's kind of the direction we're going, um, then do they fill that gap, again, from a revenue perspective with fentanyl or right. something else, whatever the next uh, choice well, is? How do you stop the infiltration? How do you stop the gang members from coming in here? I mean, how how do you do that other yeah. than eliminating them, other yeah. than having some sort of a tactical well, there, there operation? That. <laughs> well, that seems like the only operation that would make any sense in my mind. Yeah. Well, it's like jihadism. You can't kill your way out of it, right? It doesn't mean you shouldn't make a good faith effort, but um, it's uh, for, the, for, the, for the drug control, uh, for the narcotics, counter-narcotics, um, part of it is what we talked about also about working with the other governments. Right? We've had some success in doing that, where you work with the Mexican authorities, or you work with the Colombians or out in Southeast Asia, you know, to try to, you know, uh, push on back on the heroin trade. Um, and so you work through them to some degree. But that's tough, right? There's that's so much corruption. Yeah, over there. there's so much right. corruption. And, 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 that's, a, and that's, that's the problem. And it's, and it's unsatisfying because you don't see an immediate return sometimes. And it's, and it's also, it's a, sometimes seems like it's just a big, you know, uh, bottomless pit where you're tossing money, right? right, and effort and resources. But it's something that has to be done. Doesn't mean you shouldn't still do it. Um, but it is. I mean, corruption in, in a place like Mexico, right, where the people just don't have any faith in the institutions, right, uh, because they've lived in this system for so long where all the officials, in their minds anyway, are corrupt. The, the police are corrupt. The federales are corrupt. Um, you know, the, the Marines down in Mexico are probably the most trusted institution uh, because they're not viewed in the same vein. They're not viewed as corrupt. But only the Marines? Well, yeah, pretty much. I mean, that's it, which is it's it's odd, but it's a, it's a that's a large organization, and they've been able to kind of stay above the fray to some degree, which How? is interesting. I have no idea, but it's um, it you know it's been the perception, and just for the most part, it's it's true. When you work down there often enough, you do get that impression. But it's how do you get rid of that endemic corruption in that society um, and turn that public perception around? You know, because that will impact. But, look, I mean, look what happened in you know, previous administration when they, they seriously went after cartel members, right? Remember that spree of violence that, that kicked off? It was in part because 
the, the Mexican authorities were going after cartels in a more serious manner, right? They, previous to that, they were managing the problem. So they said, okay, look, let's manage down the violence, everybody, and we'll let you keep doing your business. It's going to happen. So you guys do your business, but just, you know, let's, let's keep sort of public order, you know, as, as something that we want to demonstrate that we're capable of. And when, you have to, when they went after the cartels in a more serious manner, uh, that's when that, that real harsh spree of violence kicked off. And, you know, there was more headroom. So these, you know, these various members were, you know, they, they were combating each other and, and they were going after the public. They understood that they had to, you know, basically wear down the public, which is what happened. The public said after a while, they said, fuck it, we can't deal with this. The violence is too much. It's awful. And so government, you know, eventually went back to managing the problem. Drug trade didn't go away, of course. But they just went back to the old ways of doing things. So, but the violence is just so intense. The public eventually just said, we can't, no. And and I think the cartels knew that. They understood that, right? And so they were willing to, to do it. Um, well, the, the yeah. most ridiculous aspect was that fa- Fast and the Furious deal where they were literally selling drugs to the cartels so they could track them. And those drugs were used to eventually kill some U.S. officers. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah. yeah. I say, did I say those, drugs? It, I said weapons, drugs. I yeah. Meant, I meant weapons, guns. I didn't yeah. say drugs. Right? Yeah, yeah. I'm conflating things. Yeah. Those guns that they used, they did kill officers, right? Yeah, there was there was a, a, an officer in particular that was, that was killed. And, and the, the Fast and Furious, anytime you talk about, <laughs> anytime you talk about uh, as part of a, intelligence collection effort, right, um, or law enforcement effort that you're going to supply the hostile element with weapons or whatever it may be, um, yeah, it's, gonna go, it's probably going to go sideways, but right? But that seems like a great way to cover the fact that you were selling guns. I mean, if I was really skeptical, mm-hmm. I would say, well, what are you going to do? We're going to sell them guns. How the fuck are you going to sell them guns? Mm. Well, we're going to uh, say that it's an intelligence gathering thing and we're going to sell them guns. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, if you're really cynical, yeah. which a lot of people are. A lot of people are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, mean, I think it's, it was it was a fucked up operation. There's no doubt about it. And I, I'm not a fan of, you know, it's, it's sort of like the same in the gray arms marketing, you know, sort of on a global basis when you mm-hmm. talk about, you know, like, you know, because again, what are you looking to do? You're looking to create movement, track, you know, movement of, of, of gear or money or resources or personnel or whatever. It, there's ways you can do that, um, you know, without creating a potential for a complete goat rope. And unfortunately, Fast and Furious did that. Well, and, that was, you know, it had to be a goat rope. You're yeah. giving people the ability to kill people. Yeah. You're giving them guns. Yeah. Like, why? And what do, you, do they have chips on the guns? Like, how are they even tracking these goddamn guns? Yeah. It, uh, that, Sources and method shit, but um, it's yeah. I, I, going back to to Mexico and how do you you know how do you resolve that uh, because that impacts again that impacts us it impacts our national security right yes. Mex- and so well they're literally you know, connected to us yeah we're so yeah. concerned with Afghanistan and Iraq they're nowhere near us and we've yeah. got this thing connected to us that's literally filling this country with illegal drugs they they sell meth they sell fentanyl dude. yeah Afghanistan fuck they're coming up on another election. Presidential election in mid, I think mid September. Are you and, gonna run? You know, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. Moving the family over you, there. You could do it. And uh, yeah, the king of Afghanistan. Yeah, I could. Uh, me and Boris Johnson and Trump would get together. <laughs> and, you know. But uh, yeah, no, they've they've had an increase in bombings. You know, Taliban stepping it back up. Sure. And I mean, we don't think about it. Nobody wants to think about that shit anymore. You think about how many years you know we've been digging in, and 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 it always comes back to the same thing: the Taliban. Man, yeah. What did we think was going to happen? They got no place else to go. 
Right. It's so, so difficult to track them down, right? Yeah, the mountains. Yeah. And they and they they will just wait it out, right? And and so uh, they're back again. They're increasing bombings. They want to take, you know, they want to take over again and and it's just you know, so you're right in a sense. Um we did we take our eye off the ball? Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, and were there other issues that we should have been more focused on? Yeah. Yeah, sure. But you know, then you're conflicted because you think of all those people that fought and died over there, and and the effort that other people that came back and you know with with you know, horrible wounds and 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 the trauma of all of that, and you know I feel somewhat conflicted because then you talk about you know I don't you don't want to you don't want to minimize their what they did right for mm-hmm. the country, um, but you also have a, an obligation I think to look at policy and what did we do and what was the purpose of it, what was the point of that exercise. Um, and I don't think we still to this day know, right? I mean, what are we going to create some pseudo state federal government there that's going to be a bastion of democracy? And it's not going to happen. So, anyway, I, I don't want to disappear down the Afghanistan rabbit hole. But we'd like to think that we could turn that into another America. That's what we like to think. When, when we think about nation yeah. building, that we, we think that we can go in there and establish democracy, and these people are going to be better and they're going to be able to go to school and. It's going to change the whole environment. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. And that is true. And we talked about Iraq that way. Mm-hmm. If we just make Iraq a bastion of democracy, then maybe it'll help to, to turn the tide in the Middle East and suddenly everyone will have more of a respect for individual liberties and rights and all the rest of that. And, and, and How'd that you work know. out? You know, I, I'm, I'm still looking into it. It's um, I'm, I, I'll come back again and I'll give you my report. I think it's going to be negative. I think uh, a million yeah. people have died. Yeah. it's yeah, it's yeah, That's not good, right? That's that's typically never good when you get to, you get to those numbers. It's a large um, number. Yeah. Um, but again, look at, I mean, the, the shit that we don't want to talk about. Look, we don't want to talk about Syria. Mm-hmm. Right? Nobody wants to talk about Syria. And, that, and, and you know, Assad, you know, his butcher, he's still in charge. Why is he in charge? Well, because Russia propped him up. Why did Russia prop him up? Along with Iran. Right? There's, a, there's, a, there's a nasty piece of work there and, and as an axis goes. Um, well, you know, Russia had no intention of letting Assad go. Mm, we should have been able to figure that one out. Right? But... We didn't, and in part because we have these 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 impulses that say, "Well, we're going to do better," and because we're going to create this ability for people to, you know, uh, create their own democracy. So, um, yeah. So anyway, we, uh, we we Syria is again one of those places that nobody really wants to discuss or talk about. And we've got we've got attention deficit disorder. Nobody talks about North Korea anymore. Remember, we're all going to get blown up by Kim yeah. Jong Un. Yeah. Eh. Let's well, there's pictures of Trump shaking his hand, so we're we're buddies now. We're good. We're homies. Yeah, we're all good. We're all good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the last article I read about North Korea was about yeah. how did Kim Jong Un get his Mercedes? Since there's some sort of a <laughs> Jeez. a boycott or a, a you know embargo. Yeah. Well, and, and that's you know that's another part of it is is uh, um, although we have been we we've, we've been more successful. I will say this: we've been more successful than. Than in the past, and part of that is a technology issue. We've gotten better at imposing and um, enforcing sanctions than we used to be, and part of that is because our our abilities to understand the movement of money, uh, tracking transactions, um, is better than it used to be. So the sanctions, as an example, we put on Iran. Um, this is you know this is the most difficult time that this regime has faced in Iran since the fall of, of, of the Shah, and it's because we've gotten better at looking at uh, Russia, China in particular, that have traditionally always kind of circumvented the sanctions. We're better at enforcing that. And we're better at, at working with the EU and pressuring them, right? I mean, so that's, that's a good thing. Um, but I don't know where that's going. 
You know, I mean, Iran is kind of flailing about a little bit. They seized a tanker, you know, a British tanker. They actually seized a couple, but yeah. uh, they're holding on to one um, in response to they were trying to ship a bunch of oil over to Syria right, against sanctions that exist, right? So, so they had a tanker that was taking 2 million barrels or whatever of oil over to Syria, and the British um, in the territorial waters of Gibraltar uh, intercepted that ship. That was the uh, beginning of July. And in response... Um, the Iranians have done a number of things, right? But the most recent thing that they've done was they seized a, a British flag tanker, and they're still holding the crew. And um, that's sort of an example of – I don't want to say they're desperate, right, because they've got an ability, I think, to withstand, and they, their control over the po- uh, population is so strong. But it's an example, I think, to some degree of, of them flailing a bit and trying to figure out what are they going to do? What's their next move? And uh, I know people say, well, we shouldn't have gotten out of the deal and we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't have this issue anyway because, we, you know, it's Trump's fault for getting out of the deal. Um, but, you know, they – again, I, I don't have a lot of confidence in, in, in them uh, sticking to the terms and agreements of any deal because they've never done it in the past. There's always been effort and they've always broken the, the agreements. So I don't know why suddenly they would change their tune. If we can keep the sanctions on hard enough and force them to the table, the only thing they care about is staying in power. If they think they're going to lose that grip on power, they'll come to the table and they'll make a better deal. And that deal would include us being able to access their military facilities and for inspections. Right? We couldn't. We we had no access to any other military sites in that country because, nah, we didn't make it a condition of the deal. Right. So we basically said, sure, we want verification uh, that you're following the agreements. And they said, well, fuck you. This is the, these are the places that we agree to let you look at. That that was the. I don't want to oversimplify, but that was the terms of the deal. And so we. We, any deal that we do with them in the future needs to be able to say, no, we want 100% verification. Because as John Kerry said, that's what you want. You want to be able to verify. So when we heard about it, what, what we're hearing in the news from the people that are opposed to the deal is that Trump broke this deal and he was foolhardy to do so, that Obama had put in place this deal and that Trump had broke it and it sort of leaves us in this uh, terrible quagmire. Mm-hmm. Right. right. But what you're saying is that the deal was terrible. And that they, it didn't really give us access to understand exactly what their nuclear program was, what their right. military program was. So it wasn't a good deal. It wasn't it wasn't wise to keep it. If you're if you're um, if if the way that you judge the the, the value of a deal, and they, this is what the previous administration, the Obama administration, did, was to talk about how you know it's important that we verify and uh, we've got verification. Well, yeah, you've got verification of the sites that the Iranians agreed to let us look at. That that and, and so yeah, it was a deal. Was it a good deal? No. They wanted this. They wanted to sign this deal, and the Iranians knew it. And so, um, yeah, I, I think that that justified saying, no, we're going to redraw this. And even the EU, which has been clinging to the, the old agreement, even the EU says, well, yeah, we, we could improve it. We could make it better. But there's no – if you just keep things as they were, there's no incentive for the Iranian regime to, to make any concessions or improve it. So the point being is we're, go- we're trying to force them back to the negotiating table. And again, given that their self-interest is to stay in power and, and remain in charge, then you know, if, with the economy and the condition that it's in currently, if it gets much worse and they feel as if they're losing a grip on, on, on the, the population, then I suspect they will come. They're, they're not going to lash out. They're, Iran doesn't want a – nobody wants a military conflict. We don't want it. They don't want it. Yada, yada, yada. Can they close the Strait of Hormuz? You know, where, you know, depending on who you're talking to, a, a fifth of the world's oil passes through or, um, yeah, they could close it temporarily or cause some friction, but they don't have the ability to shut it down for any, any real period of time. 
Um, we've just got too much uh, in terms of leverage over there and our assets. And so, yeah, I, I, you know, who knows? But I, I, I'm one of those people that says, you know, we, we shouldn't have done that deal until we got it right. And just saying that we got a deal for the sake of it because you had partial verification doesn't give you anything. We've, we've had partial verification of their programs for decades, um, and they just keep advancing their program. So do you think this criticism of backing out of the deal that you're hearing from Democrats is basically just a criticism of Trump? Just sure. an opportunity to – Yeah, everything's yeah. a criticism. I, I think everything is a criticism of Trump. Is that a problem with, with, because Trump is such a polemic figure? Because he's – so many people just – hate him that yeah. any opportunity to have some sort of political talking point against him sort of uh confuses what the actual issue is itself yeah i mean i think it's no doubt he's he, yeah i i i think what happens is both sides we we lose uh in this one because the democrats just sort of blindly you know accuse him of uh, everything's bad right and no matter right. what he's doing no matter what policy is it's all bad right, right? and so so that's not where you want to be and on the republican side you know you tend to think that that's the case and so you know you don't have an honest um intelligent discussion about you don't have an policy map of the landscape right and so you, you again you're we're sitting in, in in trenches throwing hand grenades at each other it's like world war 1 right? right and and nobody's going to get out and venture into no man's land in the center and nobody's living in the center anymore right. so i just think um, everybody, it's a disservice to everybody. But yes, I think most things that have come out of Capitol Hill right now is based on, um, on uh, you know, look, my, uh, here's, here's an example. My daughter went, um, she just got out of grad school and she's done a number of internships. She's worked over in Asia. She's been in China on, on, on uh, internships and she's, you know, smart kid. I'm subjective, smart kid. But she went for a job up in Capitol Hill. And it was not a direct hire, meaning that office had to go through the um, the, the uh, other offices to get approval to hire an individual to fill this position. And th- because the House is controlled by Democrats now, uh, she was uh, – everybody looked and said, yeah, she's a top candidate. We want to offer the job. Well, what happened was they submitted her details that we want to hire this person to this – office within Capitol Hill controlled by the Democrats now because it's a House majority. And they came back and said, no, because you know why? Because she did an internship in the current administration, right? So a young person wanting to work in D.C. uh, in policy and, and, and security studies and elsewhere, doing a variety of internships around the globe, does an internship at the White House. Normally, you would think that's a good thing, right? But So they said, no, because she did this internship at the White House, we're not going to approve the hiring. And then it turns, well, she did an internship in Bill de Blasio's office too, right? And so they said that. And the response was, well, we don't like him either, <laughs> so, which I think was, that actually provided some humor, right, to the whole situation. But it shows you, not, I mean, that's, that's a little tiny thing and it's a personal issue, but, but it shows you... Washington, D.C. is possibly the most dysfunctional location in all of North America. Um, That's terrible. Yeah, and, and, it's, and, it's, uh, and it's not the way it should be. We should be able to have policy discussions. We should be able to make decisions. You may not like Trump. You may not have liked the previous president. But, you know, again, we've we got to stop this bullshit where everybody's uh, a, a racist. Everybody's a sexist. Everybody's a, you, you, it's not the way this country's supposed to work. And people, you know, you can't even get away from, okay, who's at fault? Everybody's at fault. 
Right. Well, the what right is the, and the left are all guilty of, of creating this divisiveness. What is this, the cure to outrage culture? I mean, how do you get past this? That's the real question, right? I mean, yeah. what is the – I don't see a map. And I was going to ask you this about foreign policy because as a guy who has been involved in the CIA for as long as you have and has, has seen all the inner workings of government and all the conflict, and do, do you ever feel like you just – we're just running up a 70 degree sand dune that you're never going to get to the top of you know what i mean it just yeah. seems like it never ends i yeah. mean you're just yeah. basically trying to like oh there's another hole in the dike let me put my finger in this one. Oh, water's coming out of this one let me get my finger in this one and it never ends yeah you're right running up the sand dune that's a good that's a good uh analogy that's right? what it seems like it's um, like a, a million mile high sand dune yeah and it is i think like it's this. It's always look. DC has always been divisive. Politics have always created the division. The press has always been biased in one way or another. Uh, you know, these things aren't new, but and we always tend to think it's the worst we've ever seen it. Look, the Civil War was pretty bad. That was pretty divisive. That's what so I heard. yeah, so when you have a politician like like I think it was Joe Biden, right, that that said that the, the president is is the most uh, you know uh, racist you know president. Uh, we've ever had, and you think, well, I don't know. We've had presidents know. that own slaves, bro. Exactly, twelve presidents <laughs> own slaves. I think that might have been a problem, but you know, so so, and and or the race relations are the worst they've ever been, and you think, uh, yeah, how about the sixties? That was pretty bad, yeah. right? And in the Civil War, and I think so. Every every do time is good to yeah. Say that. I know, and and and, but I guess my point being is that you know you can you can fall into that trap where you think it's it's as bad as it's ever been. Um, it's. I think it's fair to say that it is more polarizing now uh, than in recent times. And how do we walk it back? How do we dial it down a little bit? And how do we actually focus on what's important for the general population? There's a lot of big issues we should be solving, right? I mean, mm-hmm. but but look at the insanity of, of when we talk about health care, right? It, right. It's like, oh, it's got to be all this or it's got to be all that. Nobody's over in the middle saying, well, you know, you could take a little bit of this and that. And uh, again, how do you walk that back? I, it's way above my pay grade. I, don't, I, I hunker down in Idaho and I I go fishing and I don't think about it. <laughs> well, that's a good way to do it. But I don't see any solution that anybody has that makes any sense. And that's one of the things that terrifies me. And I don't want to just step away. I, I don't want to be that guy that moves to fucking uh, Idaho. <laughs> I, wanted, I wasn't <laughs> going to say I, don't Idaho. Be, I, I, I was going to say Alberta. Oh, oh there you go. I was going to go further north. Saskatoon. Yeah. Um, Edmonton. Yeah. New Zealand, just maybe. There. Go Great to New people. Zealand. Oh, yeah. yeah it is. It's, I love Edmonton. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's like. What are we doing in Edmonton? UFC. Oh, okay. And a yeah, show. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A show yeah. Oh, you River, did. River Creek Casino. Yeah. Nice. It's. Um, I just feel like there's no real general solution, nor is there a map of a potential solution. And in le- I mean, and if we get a Democrat in the White House, it's not going to end. Do you remember when Obama was in office? They were mad that he wore a gray suit or a tan suit. <laughs> it was a tan suit. They're yeah. making fun of his suit. What the fuck do you care? Yeah, yeah. This is this is all you care about. It's like this polarization, the Fox News versus MSNBC polarization. Yeah, that doesn't help anybody, and it's. Fuck! It's so bananas that if you have a podcast like mine and I have a, a left-wing person on, I'm a sellout. If I have a right-wing person on, yeah. I'm a Nazi. Yeah. And it just goes back and forth. You can't even talk to people anymore, which is... No. No, it, it, it comes down to you can't have policy differences anymore, right? It's right. got to be some personal uh, animus that you've got towards that other individual, which is, right. it's, again, is, is, uh, is, is horseshit. You can have policy differences with with people um and 
that doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you, a, you know, they, sure, there's other races out there. Of course, there are freaking races out there, right? But that's, we've lost the, the meaning of the term when you just start hurling that around at anybody you disagree with, right? right? Or, or when people say, well, if you like Trump, you're a racist, right? right well, right. well, congratulations. You're probably driving those people to, to definitely vote for him in 2020. Right? That is Be, absolutely you know, fact. So. That's one thing that I completely agree with you on, that I think that this idea that everybody who supports Trump is racist. It it makes those people so angry that they just want to go, okay, I'm going to, well, you're obviously nuts. I right. can't, I can't be on your side. You people are crazy. You want to open up the borders and you want to take all the money from the, everybody that's a hardworking American, and give it to all the poor people and fuck yep. you. And it's like the, the arguments just get so confused. Yeah. And I don't know where it's, I mean, if, if you think about who, who might win, you know, I don't think Joe Biden's going to last. I think they're going to eat, eat him alive. It's not going. Yeah. He's not going to make. It's so. going to be. I think Bernie and Kamala Harris and um, Tulsi Gabbard. Those are the ones, only ones that makes Tulsi makes sense to me. She's a veteran, she's a congresswoman for six years. Mm. She seems incredibly honest, and and she, her morals and her ethics are on point. I like her. She's my favorite. Mm. But um, if the the left is going to have someone. They're going to have to be able to deal with Trump's insults. Yeah, they're going to be yeah. able to debate him. And that's where they all fall apart because they, they're trying to f- use that old model of politics. And he's not doing that. He's well, a, a and showman. I, and I think what's happening is the, the Pope the, – the, you know, look, the, the people that count in this – in the primary are – you know, that's a completely different bag, right, than, right. than what goes on in the general. and. I think the people that are in the primary right now, all those people are going to be voting in the primary. They're watching like these debates as an example, or they're just watching the daily Twitter Twitter feed from these people, the candidates, and they're thinking, "Can I see this person debating Trump?" Right. Right. And so, the not only are the policies that these candidates uh, are are spouting are moving further and further to the left, which is going to make it harder when the general election comes to shift to the center. They're right. not going to be able to do it. Right. right? That center is now shifted further to the left. If they even make the effort to get back there, but you know you're you're getting sort of like the worst um, instincts coming out from these candidates because they think, well, I got to show that I can throw a firebomb here because they're looking at me as you know, can I debate Trump, right? <laughs> and so you're gonna you're gonna get somebody who's not. So I don't, I don't think Tulsi Gabbard's going to make it because I think they're going to make that calculation. I think that they're probably going to look in there. You're going to end up with with Harris or maybe Warren. Um, Warren's not going to make it. Yeah, I don't know. That um, Native you know, American thing's going to sink her. You would think so, right? <laughs> you would think so. Harvard actually touted her in some of their literature when they were talking about their diversity efforts over the years. There's yep. actually documents where mm-hmm. Harvard was saying, you know, and we hired, you know, first Native American, you know, right. professor. And you're thinking, uh, Here's a statistic. I'm 200 times more African than she is Native American. <laughs> How about that? Oh, I'm basically African. Uh, are you? Yeah. I didn't know that. 1.6%. 1.6%? Yeah. From where? Is, I don't know. It, Africa? It, 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 <laughs> well, you know. 23 and me. I did yeah, it's one a big, DNA That's a big tests. place. It's, it's a, a whole yeah. continent. Yeah, it's a whole continent. But someone from that continent fucked one of my ancestors. What if you find out it's South Africa, though? Oh, then it's not quite as you know, yeah, it's well, not quite as interesting. But yeah, well, that's yeah. Dutch, right? Yeah, yeah. You get Dutch genes. Yeah, boar, boar. Yeah, um, yeah. I haven't done that. You know, um, my daughter did it, and um, I have not done that. I had I actually had a conversation the other day about this whole thing about the desire to know your ancestry and everything. And I, my dad uh, uh, came over, uh, never talked about his background, never talked about his family. 
Um, He's a CIA dad. Yeah, but there, there he you knows go. Knows how to keep his mouth shut. But uh, and so he never he never demonstrated that interest, right? And mm-hmm. so therefore, I don't think I've ever been. I've never just been that focused on it. Um, Everything was yeah. in there that I knew was in there. Mostly Italian, a uh, little bit of Irish, but some weird shit like one percent Asian. I thought that was odd too. Any Scottish? No. There's always a lot of Scottish floating around out there. Yeah, uh, like the fuck. Yeah. Great heart. <laughs> yeah. We're kilts. <laughs> That's right. They uh, get out. They get, get out and it. about. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where it's all going, but I, I do think that Warren uh, could be viewed. Not. I don't. I don't. I don't like her. Trump will crush her. But I think that she. Well, she, I think the base looks at her and thinks, yeah, she could be a firebrand. But she how could, could they this. after that whole Native American thing? She built her career on a lie. They don't care. But, that, but that base America care. does care, yeah. though. That's yeah. the problem. America yeah. cares. You can't look past that the same way you couldn't look past Hillary being a liar. Yeah. Hillary tried to say that her name came from Edmund Hillary, the guy who climbed yeah. Mount yeah. Everest. <laughs> Meanwhile, he climbed Mount Everest three years after she was born. It's But you so know what? He was still God. quite the character before. Yes. So, you know, well, they true. were still throwing that name around. That's uh, maybe. Yeah. But um, more than three years. Yeah, yeah. Um, After she was born, might have been seven years. Yeah, I, I, but you think it, it, it mm. won't be? I don't think it'll be Bernie. I don't think uh, you know. Why not? Uh, Come on, democratic socialism. Well, I tell I you, so much you go up to Vermont and look this, around Vermont and see what kind of job Bernie's done in Vermont. Well, how about Pete yeah. Buttigieg? Buttigieg. Buttigieg. He, they fucking hate him in his own city. Buttigieg. Mayor Pete, they're pissed yeah. at him in South Bend. They he could form a ticket ass. with De Blasio. That'd be a powerful that mayoral ticket right there. Uh, there's no mm. one person that stands out. There's no one person that like stands out as someone who's going to win. You know, everyone is right. like, ooh, could this person make it? Could that person make it? And then there's people that want to challenge Trump, which is hilarious. Well, it's I think it's going to be – we're going to lose a lot of these folks after this next round of debates, which I guess tonight and tomorrow night. Is it? Um, I think there's a – it's not an A and a B card, but there's two nights of <laughs> two nights of debates because mm, there's so bouts. many of them. There's bouts. There's bouts. Uh, did you see the Pacquiao fight? Yes. Yeah. 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 I was, Fucking great, man. I gotta still tell got you, it. I was, I 40 was, years yeah. old, drops Thurman in the first round. I know. Thurman's a beast too, man. That's crazy. It was – It was that was a great moment, and then it was a, it was an interesting fight, and I thought – I, I wasn't quite sure at the end where it was going to go, but I liked. I've watched Pacquiao over the years, and I did. There was it's kind of that typical, you know, you get older and you kind of rooting for the old guy, right? He's Come incredible. Yeah. At forty years old, he is the oldest man to ever capture the welterweight title. Yeah, and particularly when you consider those lighter weight classes, like Foreman won the heavyweight title at forty six, which was crazy. Yeah, but Pacquiao yeah. winning the welterweight title at forty is fucking bananas. Working their ass off. I mean, yeah. it was just it was it was it was a good good fight. I really enjoyed that. That was the first time I really watched a, a fight that I really enjoyed, right, beginning to end, and. Uh, and I was with some folks who were, were who were not for Pacquiao, and I kept looking at him, thinking, "How do you not like? He's the old guy. He's been doing this forever. He's a senator. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Think about that. That's crazy. He was going back to work on the budget issues in the Philippines after the fight. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he made ten million on that. I think. Yeah. Yeah, okay. he did. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Yeah. Good anyway. for Keith Thurman too. He made two and a half. Did got he? Some, got some yeah. cheddar now, Keith. <laughs> Holla at your boy. I love it. Mayweather was in the audience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that would be fantastic if they. I mean, now's the time to do it if Mayweather really wants to do it. But Mayweather might have watched that fight and go, yeah, because the first time they fought, Pacquiao had a blown out shoulder, and then a lot of people were angry. There was actually even talk of a class action lawsuit against Pacquiao. Uh, after the fight because people had bet on him and he oh, knew see. his shoulder was fucked up. Going, He'd heard it in training. and try, I think he got a cortisone shot and said, I'm just going to try to fight on. And then he wound up getting shoulder surgery. And then from then on, after rehab, looks fantastic. That's really interesting, though, the concept of could you – 
could you push through a, a class action lawsuit with an athlete who is in that position, mm, right? I mean, yeah. where does that go? I mean, then if you're playing hurt, I mean, you're in the NFL and you're playing hurt, right? right. Um, do you have any obligation? No. I mean, I, no. I mean, it's interesting. Well, but, UFC fighters fight hurt all the time. Yeah. I know for a fact. Guys mm. fight with blown out ACLs and torn Holy hamstrings. Shit. And they just, listen, they get to that point. They think, I, th- I can still win. And some of them still win. Kamaru Usman won the title with a broken foot. He broke his foot in training, and he he was literally on crutches the week of the fight. And then the guy gets to the fight, and he's such a fucking animal and so tough that he fought like there was nothing wrong with him. Jeez. And then afterwards revealed that he had broken his foot. It's fucking bananas. The mental toughness that you have to have to be able to do that for yeah. a living. And then you, know? you, you and, and and when you lose to somebody with a broken foot. Yeah, that's and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's yeah. dominated? Yeah, he dominated Tyron Woodley, which is even crazier. But then Woodley went into that fight injured as well. I mean, it's just the nature of the beast. If your job is to hurt people and break their bodies, you're going to have to practice breaking bodies along the way, and you're going to have right. to practice it with people that are trying to break your body, and occasionally they succeed. Yeah, yeah. Nah, rough business. Yeah. You gotta come. Come to an event. I'd like. Actually, I would like to do that. I'd There's like one to, in yeah. Anaheim in a couple of weeks. You should come to that one. It's a big one. Daniel Cormier is fighting Stipe Miocic okay. for the heavyweight title in a couple of weeks. Yep. Nate uh. Diaz is fighting uh, Anthony Pettis. That's a crazy fight. And Paulo Costa is fighting Yoel Romero. It's two or three rather epic fights. I'm Where, just in, praying in, uh, that no, Anaheim? Anaheim. Praying no one gets injured. Please, yeah. baby Jesus. Uh, yeah, you know what? I, I bring Scooter. Scooter likes. Bring Scooter. Yeah, he likes that. Come on down, man. Yeah. Set it up. Do, you know what? I'll follow up on that. I will do All that. All right. And I'm, tell me when your show comes out so I could let the let the people know. Maybe you can come back on again when, whenever it actually If you wouldn't mind, I, once they give me the go-ahead, because apparently I'm prescribed from talking about it, but when they give me the go-ahead, you won't be able to get it to shut up. All or right. I'll just keep talking. We'll Thank do you, that. Joe. We'll do that. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Good times. All right. Bye, everybody. Fun times, man. That was man. a good one. Yeah, thank you, man. <laughs>